Lost in the Paranormal. Episode 5 of the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. It's not a good day to be a bad guy! Hello and welcome everyone to the podcast. I am your host Wayne along with my lovely co-host and wife Michelle. Hey there. Coming to you from the glacial dumping grounds known as the Michigan Basin where we cover such topics as UFOs, aliens, conspiracy theories, paranormal encounters, ghosts, the Michigan Dog Band, Bigfoot, and all things paranormal and strange in and around Michigan. Welcome everybody. Hey everyone. And welcome back to the podcast. Again, if you are new to this podcast, thank you and welcome. If you're a returning listener, thank you and welcome back. We appreciate all of you for listening and the amazing responses we have received thus far. So get the word out, folks. Yeah, to everyone who is sharing our podcast and Facebook group and spreading the word of the podcast, a big thank you again to everyone that's helping with that. Please continue to spread the word to friends and family that may be interested in our podcast. On our Anchor homepage, you can find a button that says support. And if you click on that button, you can make a contribution to the podcast that will help us continue to grow the podcast, make more recordings, etc. If you do make a contribution, we will put your name in the show notes and give you a shout out personally on the podcast coming up. And you know you want to hear your name read. Of course. Who doesn't? That is available on anchor.fm forward slash mi dash ufo dash sightings and look for that support button. Any contribution would be much appreciated. So speaking of Facebook, we also have a new public Facebook page for the podcast and you can easily find us by searching for at M-I-U-F-O-S-P-E. And that will get you right to our new public Facebook page. Now, we'll be posting news and information to that public page and also still our private group. So if you are still interested in joining our private group, you can make a request for that as well. Just search for us and you'll you will find the private group and we will definitely let you in. Also, again, if you have a story that you would like to tell, an encounter with a paranormal of some type, ghost story, UFO encounter. We would like to hear from you and talk to you about that. So if you want to reach out to us, you can do so at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. And as luck would have it, I was able to find a and book a witness to the 1966 Ann Arbor Hillsdale area UFO flap. I can't wait to get this guest on the podcast to have him relate what he experienced and what he learned over the years as he was pulled into this phenomenon. And it wasn't swamp gas. It was not swamp gas. As more and more it comes out that it was a big cover up. So one of the things that he mentioned to me was that people don't understand the level of panic that had set upon the people of Michigan and the Ann Arbor area. So we're going to dig into this with him and much more on an upcoming show. So keep an eye out for that podcast to drop. 
So this episode is going to be a very different kind of episode, and we're going to be joined by Burton and Aaron from the podcast Lost in the Dark. So we're going to delve a little bit into the world of heavy metal and death metal music and the paranormal and see where those things tend to intersect. This is going to be a wild and interesting show for sure. So, <laughs> We're already marking it explicit. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. All right, Michelle, I think it's that time for the... It is time for the news. Yes. So first up in the news, confirmed, we will be having Terry Lovelace on the podcast. That show will be released on May 29th, leading up to Terry's speaking engagement with the Contact in the Desert 2021. And also just want to thank Terry for putting us in touch with the great people at Contact in the Desert. And we are happily promoting their conference on our podcast and our social media sites. And this is also the largest conference for UFOs and the paranormal in the U.S. So we are very happy to be a part of that and helping out. If you are interested in contact in the desert, this will be a virtual event that will be held on June 25th through the 28th. If you want more details on that, go to contactinthedesert.com and that will get you all set up. UFOs, once again, are in the news. Michelle? Yeah, just after the 4th and all the little dancing Grogu's on Google. So WWJ 950 Radio has released May the 4th Be With You. Michigan reports 12 UFO sightings in 2021. Oh boy, here we go. Here we go, Metro Detroit. May the 4th be with you, really? Yep, and then Revenge of the 5th. Oh, man. The media, this is why the mainstream media is dying. The government has come out and confirmed UFOs are real now. They're going to release this big report in June, and we get the same old kind of crap. I don't know if anyone's paying attention even to the TV commercials through Sling and through Hulu. Oh, yeah. And the underlying theme of aliens, one recently where it had just like the the alien head on a Frisbee. Oh, yeah. But it was the the gentleman was looking to the skies afterward and like, wow, something's going on here because all of a sudden this is now the second commercial I've seen in a week for a different company where aliens are the underlying theme. Exactly. I mean, what they always hint to this stuff and now they're trying to, you know, hide it in plain sight, I guess. There's something going on and we had talked about this on previous episodes. You know, do you think something big's about to happen? I think this is the summer where we're going to find out some really fantastic things. And there was an interview that I saw with Luis Elizondo on YouTube, and man, did he have some incredible things to say. So the podcast or the video podcast is called The Basement Office, and there's a two-part interview with Luis Elizondo, who was the former head of the government's ATIP program. And he goes into some great detail about what they think these craft are, um, but he doesn't go into too much because he's under a non-disclosure agreement. So if you're interested in checking out that interview, just look up the basement office with uh, Luis 
Elizondo. And it is fantastic. By the way, he was the whistleblower from the government that leaked all of this stuff. So let's go so, ahead. So back to the WWJ 950 radio. Um, so the article states, uh, besides the fact that it was Star Wars Day just a few days ago, over the course of 2021, there have been 12 reported UFO sightings in Michigan, several of which occurred in the metro Detroit area, according to the National UFO Reporting Center. Now, the most recent report came from Clarkston, Michigan, in early April, where someone observed two instances of a formation of three lights moving rapidly across the sky. Hmm. Three lights like a triangle shape? Well, that's funny, because when you go down into the cities and break it down, one of the triangular ones actually is one of the reports. So... Yeah, out in Battle Creek on March 12th, 2021... A triangular craft or triangular lights were reported. So that was interesting. Well, and here's the thing with the with the National UFO Reporting Center. Last year, they had received about 7,200 sighting reports compared to the 6,000 from the year before. And I know that we had covered that in a previous podcast. But Michigan sightings have been on the rise over the last two years, logging 135 reports in 2019 and 179 reports in 2021. And now we're already starting out, or that was 2020, and already starting out in 2021 with additional sightings as early as January 9th in Harrison, Michigan, but the most recent being April April 2nd in Clarkston. Yeah, and it looks like if... Everybody, I will put the link in the show notes so you can see this article on WWJ 950. It looks like out of the 12 reported already, at least three of them may be some type of a triangular or diamond-shaped craft. The triangle shape are out there and people are starting to see them regularly. And already, like you said, we're up to 12 here in Michigan. Well, that was reported. And March 12th in Battle Creek. So <laughs> some right. of our stomping grounds. Yep. So March 12th was the last one where it actually reported triangular lights. So again, I will put all that information in the show notes for you. And you can go and check out the reports yourself and go to the WWJ950 website and take a look at that. Well, leaving the news behind for now, let's go ahead and get into some shout outs. I would like to start with the podcast Cosmographia. This is the official Randall Carlson podcast. It is not necessarily paranormal, but he's a very interesting person and somebody I'm very interested in as a earth science teacher and scientist myself looking into how catastrophes and sudden changes in the planet asteroid impacts and things like that have affected history so it says here that their mission is to investigate and document the catastrophic history of the world and the evidence for advanced knowledge in earlier cultures now people seem to like to take that to mean oh people in ancient times were flying around in airplanes and stuff that's not what that means however we do think that humans were a lot more advanced back thousands of years ago than we give them credit for. And they will talk about that in their podcast. It's very interesting. So he says here that you will also learn of the profound effect it has had on human civilization, both past and future. Its relevance 
to earth herself and how to successfully cope with the inevitable changes that are sure to visit our dynamic geocosmic system. If the name Randall Carlson sounds a little familiar, and if you're familiar with the Brothers of the Serpent podcast, he's been on there many times, and the Brothers of the Serpent podcast also help put together the Cosmographia podcast. Randall has also been on the Joe Rogan podcast multiple times, so you may have seen him there, as long with the writer and journalist Graham Hancock. And they've both kind of been exploring the whole mythology of cataclysms being woven into a religious kind of a context. So it's very interesting stuff. Go ahead and check them out and uh, see what you think. I also want to give a shout out to our friends at the Midnight Truck Stop, which is hosted by Big T and the Blue Knight. A very cool couple of guys with a great concept as they explore those strange and unexplained incidents that so many of us have experienced while traveling along desolate highways. Give them a listen as they collect stories from all around the country from truckers and travelers alike. And we can't forget our guys at the Lost in the Dark podcast hosted by Burton and Aaron. This is a pretty cool podcast that bills itself as an attempt to capture incredible conversations between best friends as we explore all of our passions, but especially music and the world of heavy metal. So if you're into paranormal investigations and loud heavy metal music, give them a listen. Strong language, but it's heavy metal and the paranormal. What else would you expect? Keep listening because the guys are joining us next. All right. And I think with that, it's time for. Well, it's time for a commercial. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here and we are talking to Aaron and Burton from the Lost in the Dark podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Hey, it, it is a. A pleasure to have you guys on our show, um, especially when I get an email from Burton talking about his interest in the Michigan Dog Man. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. So why don't you go ahead and kind of start us off here and tell us about your podcast, where you guys are from, what do you do, tell us about your music and things like that. Uh, well, we are uh, we are from Lansing, Michigan. And uh, we, <laughs> uh, the start of the podcast is kind of funny. Um, it was uh, it was just kind of like a, a pipe dream idea I had at, uh, with my cousin, actually Preston, and uh, him and I like uh, kind of like started recording some stuff, and and uh, I actually convinced him to record like a few like uh, podcasts, but I, I I was like, don't worry, these will never, I'll never post these. This is just practice famous last words <laughs> and then i i can i did the same thing with aaron here uh because preston see i live in lansing preston lives out near flint uh so we're an hour apart so it's kind of hard to like do stuff on a regular basis um but aaron lives uh really close and so and 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 it i don't know it was just this idea of like all these times because uh, we live in Lansing. So every time we want to go to a concert or something like that, we have to like drive an hour to Detroit or Flint or whatever, Grand Rapids. And these conversations we would have in the car or just like driving around, hanging out or whatever. Um, I was like, these are great conversations. I wish these were recorded. And so that was kind of like the start of it. And uh, so I kind of like 
tricked Preston and Aaron <laughs> because I was like, these won't ever be posted. And I ended up posting some of them as our first episodes. Well, it's um, kind of like what I did with Michelle over here. I kind of roped her into doing this. She's like, I don't know anything about UFOs. And uh, well, he just yeah. knows that I'll like sit back and criticize everything. Yeah. <laughs> but we saw one together, which kind of right. yeah. you know, blew our mind. So, so yeah. That's so go, go on. Yeah. So I, yeah, your story is unbelievable. I love that story. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I just kind of like, uh, I, I guess tricked him into doing it with me. And, uh, and we've just been rolling ever since for a long time. It was just audio. Uh, the pandemic kind of forced us to be on video. Um, but that has actually like worked out really, really well for us. And uh, we've gotten some amazing guests. And uh, and now we've we've gotten to the point where we get to be guests on somebody else's podcast, which is amazing. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's kind of uh, where it started, I guess. I think because my whereas, yeah, you kind of had to coax me into it a bit. I did. <laughs> um, but I like it was mostly just because I didn't really understand quite what it was at the time as far as like podcasting and like how the whole you know so kind of very much the same but I guess like for me I you know in in conversations and and talking and and doing all the the from different shows and from leaving uh like it it gets to a point where uh, you know you, you we kind of wanted to try to to give back a little more to uh you know and, and try to like you know, give, give a bit of a voice and do, a, you know, a little more of a promotion for a lot of the bands that are on the area as well. Um, because that's something that, um, you know, in, in being in the, in the scene and, uh, for, scene. yeah, for quite a while and, you know, just playing with friends bands and just having, you know, just seeing all these, these great local acts or whatever, and, and just feeling like they just kind of get overshadowed by, you know, some of the, you know, Detroit Grand Rapids area, uh, type of sound. Um, sure. so yeah. That's kind of where. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, so how long have you guys been now doing this podcast that you weren't going to record and put out there for <laughs> anybody to listen to? Uh, we actually, <clears throat> first week of March of this year marked uh, three years. Wow. Okay. Because I noticed you have like a hundred and the last one I saw listed was like 183 episodes. Yep. So is that weekly or just when you feel like it? We, just go with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly we try to, uh, at, at, uh, we try to always have content out weekly of some kind, uh, whether it be a full episode or, uh, uh, reaction to a music video or, uh, 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 we call them, they're not, I don't like calling anything. We don't review anything. I don't like calling yeah. anything. We do a review, but so we decided the word reflection, like a, we reflect on albums so we call it dark reflections um uh uh so we we do try to have like something of of those out at least once a week if not more kind of depends on what's going on that too too. like if there's nothing to really like no real metal news nothing and a lot of times it was you know going back it was you know start talking about going to shows and and a lot of it had to do with you know like talking about the show like reviewing the set and all that stuff and no, that okay. that's not really a thing now. Yeah, I we, we talked about that in the beginning of the pandemic when we were figuring all this out. We were like, most of our shows, most of our episodes are about us talking about the show we just went to. Now there's no shows to go to. What do we talk about? <laughs> so. Right. <laughs> cool. 
All right. So, man, three years, man, what has it been for us? Two months, <laughs> something like that, something like that. And it's been a, a wild ride already. Just yeah, incredible. you guys are killing it. Man. Well, and with our schedule, it, like every two weeks is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. actually, this we're going to I'm going to try to get this episode out this week, actually. So, you know, just as a as an extra little thing. But with our schedule right now, it's it's crazy trying to get all of this put together and the amount of time I do in post-production, let alone the actual recording is, is a lot. And I can't, I see mm-hmm. you guys do some video stuff as well. And I can't even begin to imagine trying to do all the editing and stuff on, on a, a video podcast. You know, I know like Rogan and those guys, they just let, let everything run and that's it. When they're done, they just hit stop. They don't care. You know, that's, is that how you guys do your kind of your your video podcast as well? Yep. Yeah. 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 I I uh, I I in the in the beginning when we were just on audio, especially I I did uh, edit a lot more. Um, not not I I never really like took anything out or anything like that. I just kind of like cleaned it up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like I I quickly discovered that um editing editing. Uh, so one hour of podcast would equal minimum two hours of editing. So Easily, for every yeah. one, one hour, it doubles. And uh, at that point in time, it was okay. Cause I had the time I, I could work on it while I was at work actually. And uh, I, I could, you know, do that. It worked. But uh, uh, after that, uh, yeah, I, I just stopped editing everything. I was like, I, you know what? content's content let it all fly right um, just put it out there unless unless we have if we have a guest like like the the episode you were talking about earlier 183 we were talking about max bar with our friends uh from bog talk and uh and recorruptor <clears throat> uh there was one chunk where of conversation that they everybody did ask me to edit out because it's it's something that will potentially be revealed in the future that we're all working on together now so uh there is that but uh besides that that's the first time i've had to edit any i i haven't edited that's the first video podcast i've edited i think okay at all yeah yeah they're like dude spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) it's such a spoiler alert just remove it we just let's not talk about it yeah cool all right so And I know our audience is probably wondering, what does this have to do with UFOs or paranormal or anything? Don't worry, people. We're getting there. We're getting there. So uh, when did you start having an interest in heavy metal music? So I know when I got interested in it, it was a weird time in my life that was going on and just happened to have that one friend at a certain time that said, hey, check this out. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And it was, uh, uh, it was Iron Maiden and it was, uh, um, the one with the trooper and, oh God, peace of mind. Peace of mind. Yeah. 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 Right. And, and I was like, whoa, whoa, hold on. What <laughs> is this stuff? Because I was living at home with my mom and my sisters and they were all disco junkies. And all the closest to any kind of heavy metal or anything that I ever heard was Boston. 
you know, more than a feeling, you know, that song that makes yeah. you think you can sing sometimes and <laughs> right? you try to sing along with it and you find out how badly you can't sing. It's a good right? karaoke so, hit. Yeah, <laughs> the karaoke hit where you're like, uh, no, no, everybody leaves the bar. You know, you might have one person there and it's your mom going, yay. <laughs> right. But uh, like our first show we ever did at Blondie's, you know, back in the day the the pit from hell but anyway so again why what was it when did you start having your first interest in in heavy metal music uh, uh well for me it was it was kind of something that i picked up on a little bit later um uh, because i was i mean i've my dad played drums for his whole life just about um and so that's kind of how i got into playing drums and getting into music there's like my mom used to sing for uh she do like like churches and stuff and do like you know that sort of thing uh, which is really good and then uh so yeah that kind of you know in getting into playing drums getting into kind of you know wanting to start a band and not really knowing quite the style of it just knowing that i wanted it to to just be something heavy and something because i like that's the, the fun part for me is is i i love being like the um you know a lot of times the drummer starts the chaos <laughs> because of the, you know, especially in heavy music with like the, you know, the cymbals and the, a lot of the breakdown stuff. So that oh, was yeah. always, yeah, yeah. I was always kind of gravitated towards that. And really it was like, as far as like trying to pinpoint like a band or like what led me to it, I think like it wasn't really until, um, like Slipknot, let's say like okay. there was, there were a huge, because it was, it was very percussive. It was very like, you know, aggressive. I love the, all the, just the extra added bits of it. I like the theatrical elements of it. Um, and so yeah, that just kind of from getting into that and then that quickly led to, you know, death metal and, and black Dolly murder. And so, okay. Detroit. Yeah. Band. yeah. yeah. What um, age was that though? I was like, I was like probably middle school. So okay. I was like, I don't know. Like middle school. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. 13, 14. Yeah, I think that was probably about the same age when I got introduced to the whole Iron Maiden thing, which quickly escalated to Metallica's Ride the Lightning, mm. the little cassette tapes. Nice. And you slip them in your Walkman and you're like, what <laughs> is this? Yeah. Oh, my God. Listen, to that what what is that bass drum doing? How many bass drums is he playing at the same time? What the heck's going on here? Yeah. <laughs> and then from, then the, the next thing for me was power slave by oh, iron maiden mm. and master of puppets so i was like mm. now i'm in i'm in full full bore metal mode as a kid and then i had the the power slave poster on my wall and i remember spending hours just looking at that thing and looking for little hidden little gems oh look they're walking a mummy up those stairs right oh look at that yes. it was just so <laughs> cool it was like oh look at all this stuff so yeah all right burton what about you <laughs> that i mean you and i we have similar god there's a lot of similarities um i uh yeah again i, I was never uh i always really liked music but i never really like uh found it until metal in in that way and uh it was probably well my earliest memory my really earliest memories are my dad 
the only really like metal band he ever liked really was Kiss. So I, I did listen sure. to a lot of Kiss growing up. Um, and uh, but then it wasn't until about like, yeah, like really late elementary school, early middle school area. Um, my uncle, uh, my dad's brother, uh, showed me, started showing me guar. Um, I, a <laughs> lot of guar, uh, 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 Metallica, Iron Maiden, um, KMFDM, Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine was a big kind of like bridge band for me. Um, and then it was, uh, uh, Metallica's Master of Puppets. I remember I, I that CD I had in my fuck in my Discman player or whatever. Um, yeah. uh, I played it so many times in that the laser burned scratches into the disc, so I couldn't listen. I had to get a new one. Um, so that was a big one for me. And then uh, I remember watching like those uh, things on VH1, uh, like a uh, hundred most metal moments. Or th- and stuff like that. Like Behind the music, mega death. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember on one of the... Oddly enough, I remember on one of those... I remember Brian Posehn was oh, yeah. being interviewed, and he said uh, uh, he would always draw, like, the Iron Maiden logo on all of his notebooks and stuff. <laughs> and he loved Iron Maiden and, and Eddie and everything. And so I yeah. not only started doing that, I remember going to Best Buy and calling my uncle in the aisle, hey which Iron Maiden album would you suggest for me to buy? And, Cause I'd never got one. This was my first one. And he said, he said peace of mind or yeah. Peace of mind. He said peace of mind, but they didn't have it. So instead I got number of the beast. Oh, well, and there you go. To this day, it's still top three albums of all time. Like, so that like, uh, that was really like the start of it was like early middle school. Um, about the same age as you guys, uh, and uh yeah those bands yeah it's uh those kind of and i you know i was uh i was in uh this is 2005 and i'm in middle school listen you know everybody else is listening to in sync still or whatever and i'm listening to iron maiden yep yeah (laughs) yeah that's funny all right let's see uh let's do well how long now aaron you're the drummer from Bograith, which if you guys haven't checked out Bograith and you like the the heavy metal death metal kind of a vibe and feel you got to check them out he's an amazing drummer it blows me away watching and, and listening to some of the music um that you guys do and aaron you're not in a band at this or uh, burton you're not in a band at this time or anything Correct. like that okay yep. so aaron i guess this is more directed towards you and burton if you need to jump in here go ahead but what, uh, well, how long have you been playing at this, you know, to this day? How long have you been doing drums? Uh, well, thank you, first of all. Um, that's, I appreciate that. Um, my, I, the, I feel like it was, I was about eight or nine when I got my first drum kit. Uh, I'm 27 now, so. Just okay. turned 27. Four, yeah. We're up Two here celebrating ago. his birthday. <laughs> and yep. He's a youngin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You know, 25 till you're 30. So it's all good. (laughs) Yep. Then Um, you start counting backwards. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really eight. (laughs) I act like it. I just say that I'm 29 with years of experience. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So, yeah, uh, as far as, you know, yeah, I started when I was younger and a lot of it, a lot of it had to do with, with my dad. Like I was saying, um, he was a big, 
uh, you know, he's, he's always really into, you know, trying to get me into all kinds of music and, and really, you know, just appreciating it for, you know, you like, you can, you can have your favorite stuff that you do, but you can also, you know, just enjoy music. And, and so yeah. it's, it's something I've kind of had to learn a bit because for a while, you know, especially being, you know, early on, uh, being, getting, just getting way into heavy music. Um, you got kind of the blinders on a little bit, <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to listen to anything else. And then like, you miss out on so much of it. So, um, yeah, that's, I think, I think what kind of led me to it, if that was a question, um, sorry, I just kind of spiraling through it. <laughs> um, like what, I, I think what, what really led me to it was just a lot of it was the, you know, the, the live part of it. Um, I always, especially from, from early on, uh, I just really enjoyed, you know, like talent shows and played a few of those in like middle school and high school. Um, I always loved doing that. Uh, just being on stage really is, is just a big rush for me. It's something that was like, I can't really compare it to anything else. Um, and you know, now that that's not really an option right now, it's, it's been pretty tough. <laughs> yeah. Do they still do things like when I was on the scene many years ago, there was always the battle of the bands thing. Do they still do that stuff? Yeah. Well, there was okay. uh, the Q106 up here. Those uh, a local rock station in Lansing. Yeah. Okay. They do like a homegrown throwdown is what they call it. I don't know if they might've changed the name of it, Um, but we were, we did, I think we were on the, the one two years ago and, and we, we did a pretty crazy uh, Chumbawamba cover of Tub Thumping. <laughs> oh, when I, I played it that. once, <laughs> I think there's like a demo of it somewhere. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, there's, I, I think they still have those. There's a couple others. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. They do still do some battle of bands. Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. You, you talk about covers. We never, when I was in my bands, we never did any covers, but every once in a while when we wanted to mess with people's heads, we would do the, the first few bars of rain and blood. Oh, there you go. Slayer, right. Yeah. It'd be all quiet. And then, you know, the drummer, we'd look at the drummer and it would be dun, dun, dun. Mm. Yeah. And then you would hear people start what? Dun, dun, dun. You know, and then just come in with the guitars. <laughs> yeah. And that was it. And there was blood everywhere. And then we'd go into one of our songs and they were like, that's cool. That is you awesome. Yeah. So, it, you know, we'd hook people like that sometimes, but we never we never played covers when we did our, our rehearsals, you know, every once in a while we did, but covers was never a thing because we always had it in our mind that if we played out live, it had to sound just as good as anything we recorded on a CD. Yeah. And, and we wanted to be, you know, that tight as a band. And then, you know, that was one of the compliments we always got as a band was can't believe how tight you guys are live playing, yes. you know? And so, um, because you want to give a good show, but you also want the music to sound legit, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, a lot of times when we're just jamming and kind of messing around, like that's really the only time when we'll, you know, go off into whatever song. A lot of times it's not even metal. It's just messing oh, yeah. around with practice or whatever, but like, that's, that's something that, you know, especially with, with the, the imagery and the, with everything else, that's a part of our sound. That is, that's one thing that we've been trying to do um a lot more with as far as kind of making it more of a show making it kind of more of a showcase rather than just like a band that's on stage playing because there is a lot of cool you know my my singer alex is insane with with his lyricism and with his just some of the the stuff that he 
is able to write and just the detailing in it and it it definitely complements our sound a lot so we've been trying to you know add some different like you know smoke machines or some just some different lighting or just you know some sure thing to kind of bring the songs out so give it that that dark kind of creepy vibe yet still be a tight band and and you know deliver that music yeah yeah awesome all right burton what about you you playing any instruments done anything oh yeah i just bought like four guitars in the last (laughs) month it's insane (laughs) hey there you go (laughs) not that many but uh yeah no i i i have played guitar uh on on and off since i was uh probably around the same time when i was like 13 14 years old um but uh, I say on and off because it really is like there were a handful of years there where I didn't. Um, but then at the uh, at the top of this year, uh, my personal uh, like hero and idol favorite person, one of my favorite people ever see- to see play live. Child uh, of Bodom. Alexi Lejo of Children of Bodom. Yeah. yeah. Um, passed away. He was absolutely my guitar god. And uh, so since then, you know, like his passing just like really reinvigorated it for me. And I've just uh, I've been playing constantly uh, all this year and he uh, was was a fantastic guitarist. Yeah, he was he was he was like he was, uh, you know, he was modern day Randy Rhodes. Like he he was absolutely unbelievable. Uh, And I I saw I never uh, I saw him play in. I saw every single Children of Bodom show in Michigan since uh, 2008, seven or eight, something like that. Okay. I never, I never missed one of their shows. Uh, They're absolutely one of my all-time favorite bands, and um, yeah. So I, I've been playing a lot of guitar, but you know, back in the day, uh, my cousin, the well, actually, the 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 co-founder of this podcast of Lost in the Dark podcast, um, Preston, my cousin, uh, uh, we had a band um when we were kids called vaccination with an x <laughs> um uh and w- the first song him and i ever wrote together uh was called lost in the darkness and so that's where the name of this podcast comes from actually is from the first band that him and i were ever in together from the first song we ever wrote and uh uh but se- yeah i've never really been in a band since then i and i i, I only i actually only met aaron because uh, I happened to be in a college class with uh, his old lead singer from an old band he was in called Medica. His old lead singer and I met. Um, it, it, uh, we were both into metal, and uh, uh, he asked me to like kind of like be there, like, kind of like merch guy, like roadie guy kind of thing, whatever. And I was like, yeah, that'll, that'll be fun. And then uh, Aaron ended up joining the band a few months later, and uh, that's how him and I met. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, I haven't I haven't played in a band or anything like that in a while. Yeah, I remember um, when I was on the scene in the '90s, and um, there was the the band called Death, and it was yeah. uh, right Chuck uh, Schuldiner, yep. yep, I think. And I remember he had passed away from a brain tumor. But, you know, everybody called him like the the metal Beethoven, you know, the the arrangements and and writing he could do and the scales he could run. And uh, then they had Gene Oglum come on as the drummer at one point and added the insane technical drumming that that dude does. And I was just like and when it was just all getting together 
And then, you know, he ended up passing away. It was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. you know, crazy. These, these people that are super talented that get taken at such an early age is, is just mind boggling, you know, all the way back to like Jimi Hendrix and. Oh, oh yeah. Janis Joplin. Yeah. Yeah. All of them. So hundred percent. Yeah. And then uh, what was it? Just the last couple of years we lost Dio. Oh God. Right? I, I remember yeah. where I was when I heard that news. Like, well, I remember when I was touring with subsidence, we did a show up in the UP at a ski lodge and we opened for Ronnie James Dio and yeah, got sick. to hang out with them. And what amazing little guy, just an amazing, oh, yeah. amazing <laughs> dude. But this oh, was my a God. This was a show we did where, you know, up in the upper peninsula. And if you were outside and when that sun went down, the mosquitoes would just mm. pick you up and, and take small children away. It's crazy <laughs> up there. Yeah. And I just remember we opened up for them. I had a we, we had industrial strength DEET on to keep these bugs away from us. And then we got up on stage and under the hot lights, the, the sweat started instantly and all that deep went into my eyes and stuff. It was horrible. And the <laughs> stage had a, a section of, of a chimney going right through the middle. So if you weren't careful where you were going, you were slamming right into this, this, uh, this pillar that was a, a part of a fireplace it was it was crazy but it's yeah. insane yeah yeah i think there was like a five-year stint where i didn't miss a do show at harpo's <gasps> downtown and i think the closest that i ever got to him was like a quick wave when he was getting on the bus but i've got a funny story or, or can i share it i i guess Please. Go for it. the the bet <laughs> the best laugh and good time that do probably had at harpo's was when a young lady was sitting on somebody's shoulders and had pulled her top up to flash him, and she couldn't get the shirt back down. <laughs> <laughs> he he literally stopped <laughs> singing <laughs> and just had to call it out for what it was. Uh. <laughs> but, but, but hang on, you saw Dio at Harpo's? Uh, oh, yeah. so for about five years between that, I don't think that I missed any of the Dio shows or the Wasp shows. Oh, my God. Yeah. And oh, my God. I love Harpo's. That's one of my favorite all time venues. Yeah, we we used to open. Well, we opened for Acid Bath, which yeah. now Sammy, oh, yeah. Sammy is the guitarist for Goat Whore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we hung out with him and, and man, that was a crazy show. I used to have the Acid Bath shirt that was designed by uh, was it John Wayne Gacy, you know, Pogo oh, the good. Clown. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I lost that shirt. It got destroyed. Something happened over the years, but I ended up seeing those somebody or a couple of people were selling them online because when acid bath kind of disintegrated and the bass player, I think uh, Audie, I think was his name. He passed away and those shirts were going for insane amounts of money because of the artwork of John Wayne Gacy being on them. I was like, where's where's my acid bath? Where did it ever go? You know, but yeah, yeah, I don't Harpo's know. Harpo's was nuts. The Harpo's days, oh. I can tell it. I could list probably a hundred different bands that I've seen down there, and I've probably played there a hundred yeah. times. Oh yeah. I, yeah, that's 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 definitely one thing I'm going to ask you a lot about when you come on our show. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can, there are we lots can tell of those, Harpo stories. We can tell those oh. stories. You know, like 
well, the Mich- we played the Michigan State Theater, and that's oh wow. You know, and, and every time I keep on saying Burton, all I get in my head is Burton C. Bell from Fear Factory because <laughs> we yeah. opened up for for GZR, which was Geezer Butler's side project that Burton sang for. Oh, Fear Factory. wow. Yeah. Okay. So we were backstage with Sharon Osborne, Geezer, and Burton. And, and, and I remember Burton was flirting with my wife at the time really bad. And I was just cracking up. I was just, I, I was laughing. I mean, that's one of those stories, right? The stories from the road. It was crazy. And we opened for like Cannibal Corpse at the Ritz oh. and Malevolent Creation was one of my favorites. Oh, no, yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah. The oh, Ritz, yeah, well, the Ritz is a pl- is a oh, place you guys would have loved. The Ritz and then the Palladium. Be- well, right? no, Ritz before Palladium. Before took it became over. the Palladium, yeah. But yeah, there's all kinds of stories, man. I mean, just just crazy stuff. But yeah, opening for Biohazard and man, just all kinds of stuff. Well, the Biohazard show was that subsidence or thick? No, that was thick. Yeah, and it was funny was, that Burton was measures. That uh, uh burton was mentioning rage against the machine and that's you know when when subsidence ended we all we did is our singer had left and then we got we were like let's do something different because i was more into instead of speed playing and and doing the fast scales and stuff i i just loved the meaty you know just the thump of a just a heavy guitar with some syncopated rhythms in there and and some some off time stuff. And it was like, let's get some dude that can rap. And we had one dude come out and he was a rapper. He was pretty good, but he wasn't into the music so much. And then we ended up with uh, Brett who went on to, to go into uh, Inkvine, a band called Inkvine. But, you know, he was, he was a rapper and a screamer. So he could rap and then he could just, you know, cut loose like nobody's business. And so, that's when we started opening for like biohazard. Um, I think we did infectious grooves as well. Mm. Yeah. From suicidal tendencies and stuff. So, nice. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, there's all kinds of uh, stuff that we did. I mean, long. That, that's like a future episode music yeah. shop. Talk. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what we'll cover on their show. Yeah. We'll cover oh, yeah. some of that. All right. So, um, why heavy metal? What what pulled you guys to the dark side of music, as they would say? Why not? Uh, <laughs> are you on this point? Um, the uh, honestly, it's the uh, I, I don't know. For me, it's the um, it's it's kind of like the uh, the rawness of it. Like it, it just it just feels more real to me, and like it's. I can't remember. Was it in? Uh, I think it was in the documentary "Metal: A Headbanger's Journey" or something like that. It was. Uh, somebody said it was like the the reflection of the dark. Like it's it's an artist. It's still the same artistic reflection, but it's the reflection of the dark side of things, and that really like that attracts me to it. I was already into it by the time I heard that, but that's uh part of mm-hmm. it for me. And like, just I don't know, like the aggression and the like the the live aspect definitely like the mosh pits the and and, and how it you know it's like uh if you're a metalhead like you listen to this 
these um, in, insanely talented musicians, right? Like these like unbelievable, like, you know, every every band we've talked about tonight, uh, like all of them are so insanely talented. And yet so many people like just ignore it. You know what I mean? So many people aren't into it. It's like we have this. Like, it's like this little secret or something we all have, like uh, like a little thing like metalheads like when you see another metal like if, if you're out at the mall or whatever and you see somebody else with an iron maiden shirt on you got a nice shirt bro right right like, a complete stranger um you know it's that you know aspect the community aspect the uh the you know how it's like this this underground thing but yet it's giant it's giant but yet it's underground at the same time yep. um and how just like multi-layered it is musically especially nowadays with a 10 million different subgenres. like any version of it you want to hear exists and uh and and you can love it all you know what i mean like i i feel like the walls back in the day it was like if you like this you can't like this you know what i right, mean like right. you're a yep. poser you know what i mean that kind of yep. stuff and i feel like those walls have been really broken down um as through uh you know things like spotify and social media and stuff like that because there's so many different subgenres now it's like I, I you can't you can't like not like you know all of them or none of them or whatever like you can't just be like a, a elitist for one of them it's it's just too many um yep. so it's kind of all of that rolled into one for me that like really keeps me going in it um I, and it's just, I don't know. It's just, uh, it, nothing, uh, uh, when, when it's 90 degrees outside and I'm driving in a car and I, I turn, I turn it up to 11 and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just that right song and I still get goosebumps, even though I'm sweating. <clears throat> like it's, it, you know, it's that it's just that visceral emotional thing for me. It, it hits me in the core. So that's, and it always has from the first time I heard it. So that's, uh, I just kept going with it. You know, that's yeah. Yeah. I guess that's why for me. <laughs> All right. Aaron. Well, I was um, really, it, it kind of started from, you know, hanging out with, with friends in, in middle school and stuff. And and one of them was, was pretty into Pantera and, you know, we'd come by and, and just like hang out and listen to all this stuff that I didn't really, you know, I didn't really have much access to because at the time, like there was no Spotify, there was nothing like there was no streaming stuff. So it was just, you know, whatever was on. Um, and so kind of from there, um, it, it kind of showed me a little bit of, of that like community aspect, you know, cause like after getting into so many different sounds and different bands, like it, it kind of, you know, I was, I was a bit, you know, much like I'm sure all of us, like, you know, I was pretty outsider. I was a pretty quiet kid. Um, but I was also, you know, it was in to, to, to see something so loud and so like dangerous at the time. Um, which is kind of why I gravitated towards Slipknot um, was just wow. that, that for, you know, for a while they were kind of a mystery band and then, you know, nobody really knew too much about them. And then yeah, modern day kiss. Yeah. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, like for me, you know, it was, it's, it's a lot of that. It's, I, I, there's something about the imagery of it. That's just the twisted nature of it. That's just cool. I don't know. It, <laughs> it complements the music so well and to, to your point about the artwork. Um, that's that's a huge thing that we talk about a lot. Um, oh, absolutely! Like it's it's cool to to have a picture, a painting, or something, and to be able to like 
as you're listening to it, like kind of look at that stuff and add, have it add so much more to the, you know, the style of it. Um, so that was really, you know, I just, I thought it was cool. <laughs> I still yeah. think it's cool. Um, I, it, it definitely, you know, was, was a big factor in, in just wanting to play that kind of music because I just like, you know, in, in as, as I guess shy as I was and still kind of am like, it, it gave me a chance to just be loud and just do something that was like, you know, just aggressive and just that was, you know, kind of able to, to make a bit of noise in that sense. And, and, you know, it was, it was, it's always kind of funny because, um, you know, I, I, I still have people that, you know, that I went to school with, like bring up the talent show stuff and all of the, you know, like, Oh, you're like, you're just the quiet kid. And like, you just get behind the drum kit and you just blast away. And it was like, you know, it was like, where'd that all come from and stuff. So it was, you know, there's just that like sense of community, that sense of like being a part of something that was, you know, bigger than, than us, bigger than, you know, so. Yeah, man. Uh, back in the day. So I don't know if this is true anymore or not, but back in the day, you talk about community and things like that. And I would say, you know, we were, we were a pretty close group of, of metal heads back in the day, bands like Suicidey, HMR, mm. uh, Siren, you know, there were these bands, um, but there was also a vicious competition. Does that still exist? You you can speak on it more than me, uh, but I, I I don't I don't I really feel like it, it in the same way that I feel like the walls have broken down to be like an elitist for a specific genre or whatever. Um, I feel like that's been broken down as well. Uh, at least at least in the scene in Lansing, I feel like. I, I can't really, you know, say anything about it anywhere else, but at least in the scene in Lansing, from what I've seen, it's 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 more of a mindset of like high tide raises all ships as opposed to competition. Yeah. Well, just from you know, it was really like the I guess the thing that I can pinpoint to it is the, you know, the difference between like the metal and the hardcore. Like that's I don't I remember like we you know listen to the Josta show quite a bit yeah uh, and he talks about the just the constant you know like the infighting and all that stuff and like really to me I I don't really see it as much anymore um just because you know everybody's trying to just build up everybody and and everybody's kind of doing a different thing or like taking taking bits of things that they enjoy and like just doing it in there because it sounds cool not not to necessarily like be a part of like oh just because you're a death metal band you can't do this you know sort of thing like i feel like there's a lot of uh you know like like yeah like cross genres and and different things and like you know there's the the blackened side of things like a lot of bands are having more black metal elements to to their sound and you know just experimenting a little bit differently so i don't i, I feel like it's a bit less than it was um and maybe maybe once shows come back people will be a little more aggressive about it i'm not sure i don't really know what that like what, what it's going to take for that to happen <laughs> so well, observation that i've made which i think probably drove a lot of the competition back when we were in was that there was almost this perception and maybe it was real and maybe it wasn't but that there was basically a slotted number of you know slots that you know, metal bands were going to get picked up by a label and yeah, we all would go to each other's shows and support each other and things like that. But if there was a label sniffing around, 
and you want to have your stuff recorded, you better be the best band there is. And you better sell yourself, right? You prostitute your band. What I see nowadays is that with everybody with the computers and us doing a podcast right here and having a, a a fort, what is this? A focus, right? You know, two I two where you got inputs right there. You could record a guitar, get a little digital drum machine, and you can be making music and putting it out there with nobody in between. Now you can do really what artwork stuff you want to do. You want to do ska, you want to do metal mixed together with a female screamer and a male singer, and then throw in a rapper too. And you could do it. You don't yep. need the permission and the money from a label. Exactly. This is where I think that that the main, I guess, mainstream media, whatever, these people that used to control the the record sales the, and the gatekeepers, the gatekeepers, right? They're they're pretty much gone, right? Yep. And and I think that's you know because like I listen to and and Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong. So I listen to like some of the 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 bog wraith. Um, stuff on YouTube. And to, in my ear, this sounds like what we would go into the studio years ago to get that sound. We would drop 10 grand, you know, to have a guy and a, somebody master it and things like that. And I listen to you guys and I'm like, that sounds like a hundred percent, just solid. Like you're a signed band with albums and and a billion fans like you got that much backing behind you what's what's going on with you guys like that oh well a lot of that is is credit to my guitarist julian who is i mean we will we a few of us went to school for for audio production and and so we all of us kind of have the the knowledge of it but he's really the one that you know we we uh, do it all through Marshland Studios, which is his his like home studio. Really, um, got a live. That's where we practice at and all that stuff. Um, and to your point, like you know, it's I feel like it. You know, with with uh, the everything being so easy and accessible as far as like equipment and like programs that you can like you can you can download like four different plugins for a guitar and get the sound that you want. Um, but it, and it really kind of comes down to like the song and the songwriting and stuff, which is kind of the base of it um i mean what is it garage i mean you can get uh, this garage band i think software is that like a mac software you can record stuff you can have uh uh, audacity like i use audacity to record the podcast and do all my post-production there's just so much freedom at this point without those gatekeepers holding you back um but yeah so continue so yeah, I mean, as far as I mean, he's goes over everything with a fine tooth comb, and like it's it's pretty insane to to and you know to yeah to have that kind of like quality just from doing the the DIY approach and just really you know getting the just you know the the super intricate details and stuff and the like it's it, a lot of like the ear candy stuff is cool to me. Yeah. Um, and plus, it I think you know with the with the the money aspect you're talking about like you can I, I feel like it's gone a different direction like now you're not so much paying for the 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 producer and the studio time and all that stuff now it's like 
now it's equipment and it's and it's learning it kind of, so it's it kind of the the pay is a little different i feel like or like the, the expense i guess yeah yeah um yeah i just you know another thing too is i think you 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 hit on that word time right time is is money and i remember you know if you wanted 10 hours in a studio you better be ready to drop a thousand dollars right yeah and it could you, you didn't have time to figure out what did this sound like and do this and do that you know it was like you better have an idea so you don't have to spend the money and waste the time yeah. and uh you know so i don't know burton what do you what do you got to say on that anything um i think it's a, a, a yeah like the 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 ability it, it, I'm I'm the same as you, like in in some ways, because there was a time, uh, back in the day, you know, in early 2000s, where I would hear band, a lot of bands like demo tapes or, or demo CDs or whatever, and it would sound like it was recorded in a garage, you know, it would sound like that, and then, especially since I started this podcast and really like wanted to make it a platform for like uh like local. Or, or smaller bands or something to like jump off, you know, get, you know, give any, anybody, you know, we have an open door policy. Anybody that wants to be on lost in the dark can be. Um, and uh, ever since then, and I've been hearing a lot of like bands first releases, like, uh, like, like with, uh, with, uh, the one we talked about earlier with the suffocating lie. Um, uh, like that first album I was in, in, in like the reflection that I did, not the review, the reflection. Um, I was like, this is your first try. Like, this is, this is your first try. Like, this is, it sounds like you're like an album that should be on the regularly played on the radio already. Like it's insane how, how, uh, the, the DIY approach has, um, evolved uh and, yeah. and and really come to a point where yeah you don't you don't need anybody anymore you can just make something make it sound awesome and put it out and and it'll go from there you know if yeah. it, you know uh cre- you know all the good stuff rises to the top so you know if it's good enough people will find it eventually you know it also yeah. le- it also leaves it for a lot of like oversaturation and a lot of really terrible sounding bands as well. <laughs> they get kind of lost in the mix with everything else. Um, yeah. So it's, I don't know. And that's, that's kind of, especially going forward and trying to find new bands. And I mean, that, I, I feel like doing the, the podcast really helps with, um, <clears throat> you know, just, just keeping my ear to the ground as far as just new music and, and yeah. trying to, trying to hear just all the new releases, just to, just to have something to talk about really. Um, and just to kind of be a little more involved with with the extreme metal scene, because there's, you know, with that, there's there's quite a bit more, you know, there's there's band camp, there's uh, Patreon, there's all this other kind of like revenue stuff and, and ways to support other bands and and do that. So it's I don't know, it's it's cool. It's I feel like the the digital thing, like it because it's it's kind of the only real sense of, um, I guess, like promotion that I've seen because I'm I'm kind of in a lot of ways, a product of the MySpace era as, as far as bands go and as far as like trying to do that promotion wise. Um, so it's kind of the, you know, that, that same effect of like everybody has a band page, everybody has, and it's like trying to, trying to stand out and stick out and stuff. So. Yeah. 
Yep. Um, so let me let me hit you guys up with this question. It just popped in my head back in the day when when we were all metalheads and we would get the looks from people. You know, you got the long hair. In my case, it was a long mohawk, and I was wearing the deicide shirt that said "deicide, the end of God" or yeah. "the death of God." Right. It, you know, offensive upside down crosses and pentagrams. Yeah. He was always great to take out to dinner with his mom. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. But it was my experience in, in listening to this music and I, and I heard it and I can't recall the name of the, the music video that Bograith put out there. Um, it, it's off of an EP. It, it just recently came out in 2020 putrid or putridity. There you go. That and. Yeah. Um, I'm listening to it and I'm like, there's like 10 different time changes in this song. You know, I'm listening to it and I hear that opening, you know, where you're playing the drums and I'm hearing the noise in the background and the, and you're kind of leading in kind of like a, am I evil Metallica kind of building? Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to clip that and use that for an intro to a podcast. That is like oh, the yeah. best intro. I'm like, that's cool. But mm-hmm. back in the day, it was like, if you looked funny, you are just some dumb drug addled brain, right? And here I was into math and science and looking at metal. And when you listen, when you dig into that metal, you find that how technical it is and how talented these people are. And I met so many people in the scene that were just down to earth. You know, you would you wouldn't you'd be afraid to walk up to them because they look like they're scary as hell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. massive introverts, right? You just don't mess with me. They give you that resting bitch face look, you know, and then you talk to them and you find out this dude's a physicist. Yeah, right? yeah, right. And it's like I would talk to some of these guys that I met on the road and other bands and stuff. I'm like, these dudes are smart. They're, they're nothing like what people think. Right. And I don't know if it was always like a big middle finger to everybody that would like look at you and be like, yeah, I'm not what you think. You know, it was always, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover kind of a thing. So I, I just as an observation, when I listen to, especially now this extreme metal, it, it's a lot, it's not a lot different than when I was in, but it, it, it is different. There's, there's all kinds of time changes now. And, and I remember when Mashuga came on the scene, I was like, Oh, yep. Oh, what is this? What is this? Oh my God. Yep. What, what, what timing is that? Where, where am I? I'm okay. Yeah. Cool. Right. <laughs> and the drummer is, is sick. I mean, it's like the oh, dude's God. got calves the size of bowling balls and he, oh, yeah. he go for five hours straight like he's looking at you like nothing and then you talk to these guys and they're like well you know this is the way it works and this is the time signature and it's you know the fibonacci s- sequence right and you're like yeah. uh okay so so what is your experience for you guys in that same kind of a uh kind of an observation like what have you noticed like like burton was just talking about being in a college class right now people think heavy metal and extreme metal death metal they're like yeah they're not going to college they're not doing nothing they don't know anything they're just playing this loud noise you know nasty sounding music 
all right, well, you play a set for 45 minutes where you're doing blast beats and, and trying to keep everything together. And you let me know how dumb I actually am. So what do you, right. what do you guys make of that? Well, real quick, what's funny is that college class you just referred to was actually called rock and roll history. Hey, there awesome. you go. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> that but is go, cool. But go on, Aaron. No, I, I took that same course, too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, because I, I do feel like um, just maybe maybe more so just with the way that the world is, maybe the way that like things have kind of changed. I don't really feel like it's as shocking anymore. I mean, but I also feel like you definitely notice it like like kind of, you know, what Burton was saying about, you know, seeing seeing somebody in, in a specific shirt and, you know, like giving them the horns or whatever, just like just that that initial recognition of it. But as far as like. Yeah, um, I don't really know as far as trying to think of like any times where I've had personal experiences like that, where it's somebody's like shocked that, you know that somebody like went to school or is like, you know, is, and that's, I feel like a lot of that has come with, with how everything has to be so DIY now, or everything is so like, you know, everybody's trying to do everything themselves. So you have to be kind of smart about it. And, and especially with, with the business side of it as well, you know, you get a lot of, a lot of offers for, for like artwork and for, you know, like video stuff and, and payment and all that stuff. And, and you kind of got to know what you're doing and like, you know, kind of like to pay attention to that sort of thing, um, yeah. whether or not you're getting the, the raw deal, I guess. Um, so yeah, I don't know. What do you got? It, um, That's a tough question. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's Sorry for the tough question. <laughs> oh, no, it's got me thinking about it because I didn't really, yeah. it's um, not something I really think about as far as like the modern times with everything. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I would say like, well, there's this, there's this great scene. If you've never seen it, you totally got to watch it. Um, metal, a headbangers journey. That documentary is like the documentary of metal heads. Like it's, it, it puts in, per, it makes, what we love makes sense to everybody else. So it's like it, it, it like anybody that doesn't get metal, you watch that and you're like, okay, all right, I see what you guys are doing now. Um, I get it at least. And there's a great scene in that documentary where it goes uh from uh Beethoven. It's like ba- it's like oh, Beethoven yeah, yeah. playing the piano and it perfectly perfectly bleeds into Eddie Van Halen's eruption solo. And it just, so it just shows that like metal takes so much from classical music. Um, there's so much like it, 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 it's, it's, that is such a big element of it when you really look at it. Like, uh, you know, especially when you get bands like black metal bands like Behemoth performing with whole fucking uh, symphonies and stuff like that. Um, Like, it's just like the whole the whole thing. Like, I think I think people now are are recognizing it more than before, for sure. But having said that. You know, I, I wear, you know, I, I got like a, like wallet chains and stuff like that. Um, and I walked into a store up here earlier today and someone's in, in, in the, the store 
the guy working the store or whatever was like, you have so many chains on. I was like, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, um, so, you know, for, I guess, you know, depends on where you go. But um, I, I, I do think that uh, it is, you know, you know, with everything that's been, you know, after after, you know, in a world of uh, where where Slipknot, Eminem and, and Jackass is, is 20 years old. Um, you know, how in, in, in Marilyn Manson, you know, uh, how shocking can you really be? You know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, like, where can you take it now? But at the same time, I do think it does, you know, some people, you know, just aren't, they've never really been used to it. So it still can be to some people, but, um, yeah, I, I, I guess it's, it's, I, I do think that it, uh, the perception of it has evolved quite a bit. I think and at least at least to me, um, maybe it's different for other people, but at least to me, I think the perception of the music has evolved a bit. And, uh, you know, now we see now we see bands like Lamb of God, uh, Slipknot, Metallica, Megadeth, all these bands getting nominated for Grammys and things like that. Um, so, uh, you know, as much as I dislike the Grammys, um, I do think it is starting. Finally, people are recognizing the talent that is here and uh yeah 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 i think i think it's starting to be seen a little bit more that was that was kind of what i was going to get into as far as the technical side of it that you were talking about like two and and really that's that kind of i think you can say that about the like the artwork and the imagery and stuff like you can you can get what you want out of it like if if you're just looking for for the the dark imagery and stuff like you can find that but there's also you know there's there's the side of it where it's it's I mean, I guess hate breed is a good example. Yeah, you know, the, it's it's a positive, positive music for negative people or something. I don't know. Yep. I don't know if that's what he says about it. Um, and that's that's something that I feel like is is kind of changing a little bit. And as far as like just the, you know, the idea that just because it's it's an aggressive song or it's it's about this that it's it doesn't know, need to be negative. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. And and I guess kind of talking about the technical side of it, um, that's that's something that I. It's it's weird because it wasn't really until listening to like you know getting into like Cannibal and uh you know uh like Deicide um that that like you kind of at a certain point you kind of have to slow down and like actually listen to it and like listen to like the music and the like the notes and the like the the progressions of it and stuff and um and to actually to to try to understand what's going on rather than just hearing a like just white noise or just a lot of like a lot of sound at once um. So I don't know. That's yeah. Those are yeah. That, that's some good points there. Um, and there was somewhere else I was going to go with that. Um, oh, about the crossovers and how open in the Grammys. So I remember yeah. the very first time they had a hard rock or a metal Grammy, and it was Metallica up against Jethro Tull. Oh yep. gosh, what I look <laughs> get out of my head. <laughs> I'm like over here going, okay, the year that Lars Ulrich was throwing a fit on TV. When isn't he throwing a fit? Yeah. No, that, but it was it was when Jethro Tull got the award yep. for the best heavy metal album. Yep. Yeah. And they right. had a flute. It was a flute. Yep. Yes. The song was had a flute in it. Yes. That yeah. is the year where the Grammys became illegitimate for every metal head in the world. Yep, absolutely. And no longer counts. What is it? Uh, was it the Grammys recently where it was uh, was it Lady Gaga was coming out to sing with 
with yeah with Metallica. Me- Metallica, yeah. right? That was a few years ago. That was a few, was that a few like years a couple ago now? Cu- cu- a couple years ago. At least. I don't know. It wasn't. Yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah, I, I remember seeing that performance. And honestly, like Lady Gaga is actually in, as far as I understand, from what I've seen, she's actually into some metal. Like she actually likes heavy metal right. music. So. So was, there's some of that, cool with that, some of that crossover yeah, and her voice yeah. fluctuates. So yeah, yeah, yeah. She, it, and she has a great voice. Like I, I think she's great, but uh, yeah, you know, there is, yeah, we are starting to see a bit more crossover for sure. Yeah. Anthrax public enemy started there. Right. Yeah. Well, Anthrax, Anthrax public. Yep. That well, was, that was more the the new metal kind of like rap rock sort of thing. What was, was the really... Aerosmith one? There was an Aerosmith oh. one, wasn't there? With Run DMC. Run DMC. Run DMC. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Was yeah. it Walk This Way? Yeah. It was Walk This yeah. Way. Yeah. That, well, and you brought that up song is hard. Right. Well, Anthrax, the Bring the Noise. Yep. Mm. Yep. That song yep. is amazing. With, with Public Enemy. Yep. Yeah. And I remember when, when Subsidence kind of fell apart. Well, we lost our singer and we wanted to go more of the bring in the rap and, and do just heavy rhythms and and all this and have like rap and a screamer kind of over the, the, the music, you know, we called it H three and people were like, well, what's H three. You guys were subsidence. What's H three. We said, hardcore hip hop. Mm. That's what we mm. called it. H three. And that was our first EP when we recorded songs for the, before we did the album shock the world, that was the first EP. It was called H three. And it had like cool. four of our songs on there. Before, you know, and then they made it onto the album when we recorded the album. But, you know, it, it, everything started to cross over and bleed over. Now, like one of my favorite bands is uh, the band Draconian, where you have heavy, growling, yet slow, kind of a melodic music. And then you got the growls over it. And then you've got the, the, the female aspect of the voice are like epica right you got yeah the growls with the speed metal and then simone comes in and is doing opera yeah Yeah. it's like oh my god what what is happening and then it's like this is awesome right so yeah cool all right so we got to get down to the question and, and the line of talk that everybody's waiting for So one day I get an email from Burton, never heard from him before. Don't know what's going on. And he tells me he loved the podcast. So I got to ask you, how'd you find out about the podcast? You know, I think this was like our second episode that we did or third episode. Yeah, it was, I think, third or fourth, the the Havoc of the Dog Man. Yeah. Cry Havoc and Let Loose, the Dog Man of War, you know, play play on Shakespeare there, right? Um, but what is the connection between, what do you think the connection between heavy metal music and the paranormal? So what is your attraction about that? Where, where are you guys coming from and how do you feel about that? And how does it play in with you guys? Okay. Um, there's well, a lot I, there, so I'm yeah. going to sit back and let you go. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Uh, the, the, uh, okay. So the start of it, um, I, I, I kind of, uh, the, the, well, first of all, um, at the end of every podcast that we do, uh, for lost in the dark, every time we have a new guest on, um, 
it's because it's you the, the guests that we have typically so far at least have been uh bands different bands from around the country uh the and so most of the show is me asking them about you know that stuff but uh the last question I always ask everyone, everyone new that comes on the show is, have you ever had an experience that you would describe as paranormal? And on top of that, I in in whatever studio, big quotation marks there, whatever studio we have, it's a basement. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, I always have an I want to believe, you know, Fox Mulder X-Files poster up. Um, and I have one in my room at all times as well, because it, that it's just, that's kind of the sentiment that's um, it's like, I, uh, this is all stuff I love. I'm passionate about, and I want to believe in, but also, and I, I, I are you, um, you're, are you a science teacher? Yep. I teach okay. earth and space science. So, okay. Yeah. And that's a funny, a funny place to end up as a former metalhead teaching right? high school earth science down in Detroit, <laughs> to right? a bunch of inner city kids. <laughs> that's awesome, though. That's right. awesome. Um, now that's metal. Okay? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's metal. <laughs> that is metal. That is metal. Um, but that that is that is mentality, the approach that I take with this stuff. I love it. I'm passionate about it. I research it. But extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Um, and, and we got to use the scientific method and everything like we need. Like if, if like we can't just like see something and oh, that's proof. No, 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 no. Like we got to go through the steps. Um, so I'm, I'm that's kind of where I'm coming from on this stuff. Um, where I found, uh, I found, I actually found your guys's podcast. Uh, uh, God, I think it just popped up on Facebook or something. I, I, I think it just like randomly popped up on my Facebook feed or, or something. Um, and I was, it, it said Michigan, it said UFOs and paranormal. And I was like in, um, <laughs> like that's, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for Michigan podcasts about this kind of stuff. Um, 100%. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, ever since I was a kid, I, uh, you know, uh, when I, I remember when I was like 10, 11 years old, my mom would take me, you know, to the library, me and my sister. And uh, the only section in the library I would go to was the one with uh, with like the Loch Ness Monster books and in the Bigfoot books and stuff like that, like the ghost books. Uh, I, I saw it really uh, Ghostbusters. Um, I saw Ghostbusters when I was like four years old or five years old or something like that. And I love that movie. To this day, it's still one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, uh, so like that, that, you know, all I, I've always been kind of into like the, the paranormal, uh, the mysteries, the dark side of things. Um, I've, I've just always been into it since I was a very young kid. Um, and, uh, so that's, it's kind of my, uh, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I got into it. Um, and that's almost like the same description you gave for metal. 
That's what yeah, metal is. A kinda. dark side, kind of a creepy vibe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I was always more into Captain Hook than Peter Pan, you know? Like, yeah, he's got a whole nother story we don't know about. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. All right. What about you, Aaron? Uh, well, mine's mine's a little bit different just because I, to be honest, I can't really pinpoint any like specific paranormal things that have happened, but I I am not closed off to it. And, you know, I I, I think you'd be naive to to believe otherwise. <laughs> um, but also, I, I think it, it kind of came from um, as far as like tying it back into to music and how it, you know, because I, I really kind of got yeah. into both. Uh, like horror movies and and like heavy music kind of around the same time um and it was always you know specifically i remember being really into like zombie movies and just kind of seeing that but that's a bit more of like a you know a fantasy side of you know of horror and and telling that story but um yeah and it kind of really later on you know led me to to the you know the understanding of of what the paranormal is and and the whole i guess i guess really the exorcist <laughs> uh, was kind of the first movie that or you know like the sixth sense or any of those kind of like shining the, yeah the re, yeah shining's probably one of my favorites um but it's it's one of those that like to me i always find that like the surreal life moments and like the things that you hear about like the stories are are always make for for the gnarly sounding music <laughs> um and and a lot of times you know like i'll be i'll be watching something i'll be you know like paying attention to something that's you know, that's on like TV or like just some kind of documentary and, and I'll hear something or like, I'll see like a part of a seat, like the conjuring, for example, um, is Great there's, movie. there's a lot of really good imagery in that. And there's a lot of stuff that like is, is kind of fantasy, but it's also like enough to, you know, to, I mean, it's, it's based off of a, off a true story. So it's, you know, just kind of that stuff and just, just hearing it's that like scene. The, like, uh, the Amityville horror yep, yeah, back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So. I don't know. I guess that's kind of where, where I get it from. It's a lot of, you know, just getting into it and realizing that in a lot of ways, death metal and, you know, extreme music is just horror movies put to music. Yeah. So that's especially, especially Cannibal Corpse is a great example of that. But when it comes to like how this stuff, how like the paranormal and the horror connects to the heavy music, um, what I've found, it's, it's actually really interesting to me um, because like it's, it's, it, it seems like it should be all connected, right? But uh, when I, like I said earlier, I talk to, you know, all these bands and um, I always ask them, have you ever had any experience you would describe as paranormal? It's 50-50. What, like, that's what yeah, I found. So, right? That's been interesting. It's 50-50. Like, 50% of them have something that's happened to them or they believe in the paranormal in some way or whatever and 50 percent of them are just like no nothing's ever happened and yeah whatever like it's it's really interesting to me that like it, it, it i even had i even what was uh there's a band that actually disbanded now that we had on called bravura yeah. they were a great band actually they had some amazing music um and uh we had the singer from that bad steve uh, on our Halloween episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. What was it like last year or two years ago? I can't remember. Yeah. Last year it had to have been last year. Um, but uh, 
he like I texted them. I texted a whole bunch of bands that we had had on uh, to be on the Halloween special. And uh, he was kind of the only one that hit us back. And uh, he was like, I was like, Any, anybody from your band that's into horror stuff or, or paranormal or anything that wants to be on, they can be on. He's like, honestly, I'm the only one that's into this. I'm like, you're in a metal band. How is <laughs> how is everybody not into this? Right. Uh, and apparently they weren't. So what? Yeah. Like it's it's been kind of interesting because I thought that with that question, everybody would have something in this, especially in the heavy metal genre. Um, but what I found is it's kind of 50 50. Like it's, it's not, and not everybody. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's about 50, 50 is what I've found. Yeah. I remember, um, <clears throat> oh geez. I'm trying to remember rust in peace by Megadeth and they did yeah. hanger 18. Right. Yep. It's like, ah, okay. So they're into something or they're, they're exploring something. Um, do you guys have any songs in bog Wraith that kind of get into that or paranormal or with your songs is there a ghost story in there somewhere that you're you're telling at all in any of your music hmm. i've never even asked him that <laughs> that's a good question well that's that's kind of tough too because you know again it's a lot of the the lyricism comes from from my singer and so and, and a lot of your stuff is concept yeah yeah, it's it's pretty. It, I would say it's a lot more driven in that sense than it is about like real life stuff. I, I think uh, "Haunted" was one of the first ones that that we wrote for. Uh, that's on Viscera. It's the first EP that we wrote. Um, I think that's that's one that's pretty close. I mean, it's it's kind of I don't know. It's it, it's kind of about suicide, but it's also about like just being possessed. Um, so we have a lot of those songs. Um, what do you guys feel about possession, demonic entities and taking over people? I'm seeing, it's a it's a seeing good lots of heads moving around and there's lots of silence. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's one it's, of those questions. Dun, well, dun. <laughs> to me, to me, it, um, it's it's kind of the reason that I that I sort of struggled for a while like really just getting into like the, the classic horror movies and stuff be as specifically the exorcist um because i mean now now i feel like it is it is like scary just based on what we know about it um uh, but at the time it it was kind of uh it, it seemed like something that was actually possible and i feel like anytime i see any of like the i, I was the, the exorcism of emily rose i think Oh yes, movie. yeah. Oh man, that, yeah. <laughs> and just I don't know, seeing stuff like that, like it, it kind of, you know. I have to get an exorcist on our show. Yeah. That would be awesome. <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. That would be awesome. I, you know, it's. Oh, I see everything. Oh, I got some crazy stories about that. I've, I've had some, some strange paranormal. I guess you could describe as paranormal experiences. Um have i ever experienced anything personally that would lead me to believe that you know possession is possible not really personally but i mean i mean some of the accounts uh you know it's a lot like the ufo stuff like i've never seen a ufo personally but you guys have and 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 a lot of the all the millions at this point of accounts can't be wrong 
Like there's well, got to be there's something going on. Like, well, that leads me to my next question. Then the the government is officially coming out and saying that yep. the UFOs are real. Project Blue Book was a on Joe Rogan. He had a, yep. a, a guy on and he said Project Blue Book was put together specifically to discredit and put out disinformation about UFOs. And, you know, and he cites national security and all that. And, yeah, we had a Cold War going on with the Soviet Union. We had a bunch of nuclear weapons pointed at each other and everybody was, you know, freaking out about who's going to shoot first and all that stuff. So, you know, we didn't want to talk about having openings in our national security, you know, uh, uh, I guess, shield or or control. Um, And these these crafts seem to appear and fly around and do all kinds of things that make no sense. And in their mind, it's like, if we can get that, if, if the Russians get that first or the Chinese get that first and they can put a nuclear bomb on that and yeah. zip it in a blink of an eye and have it right in front of the white house and blow it up. Right. So we got to figure out what's going on. So they, they seem like that they've kind of, you know, hid the fact that they were onto something, but then they had the, the, disinformation artist out there. And unfortunately for uh, professor Heineck, when he came to Michigan, that kind of spelt disaster for him because he was trying to say of all things, swamp gas, right? Everything was to be, he had one day, he came here in Ann Arbor in 1966, got here, got a phone call in the sheriff's office and they told him what to say. And he went out and tried to dismiss it in that huge auditorium filled with all the people. And I've got a guest coming on who was alive during that time and witnessed all of this stuff. And one of the things that he says in his email to me is the, the amount of panic that was going on in Michigan and in that Ann Arbor Jackson Hillsdale college area, uh, the panic that people were having because they were seeing these things, the police were seeing them and chasing them and had no explanation as to what was going on. And then they were just hand waved off and said, it's sorry, it's swamp gas. And that's where people just kind of lost it. And, and then yeah. it was later that Heineck, you know, left project blue book and then project blue book kind of closed up. Um, so what are your, what, what do you guys think or, or what's your feeling on now the government saying, you know, all right, 40 years later, I guess the cat's out of the bag guys. This is real. What's going through your mind. I mean, it's, uh, it's crazy. Um, what we're seeing right now, especially with the, uh, the, um, the Tic Tac or Tic Tac. Or no, tic tac. Yeah. Yeah. Tic tac. Yeah. Uh, video. Um, and, 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 uh, what's his name? Fighter pilot. I can't oh, remember. Oh, David, David Fravor. Fravor. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Fravor being on Joe Rogan and, uh, and all that stuff. Like, and then, yeah, like with this report supposedly coming out, what in the next like month or so? Yeah. In like, June 10th. June 10th. Yep. Yeah. There we go. Um, it's uh, I, you know, it's it's really weird because it's like there's the um there's the Bob Lazar thing, right? Like, 
and 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 I don't. There are some holes in his story, I guess, but like uh, he seems pretty legitimate. Um, and he actually he's he's another he actually lives in Michigan as well. Yeah, um, another Michigander. Yep. But there's all weirdos up here. <laughs> but there's but <laughs> well, we live in a state that's a mitten. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> true. Uh, we're catching it all. Yeah, we're we're ah! catching it all. Yeah, there it is. Leave it to the English teacher yes. to come up with something. English quippy. In the house. <laughs> there You're pretty go. punny. I'm very punny. <laughs> um, but then, but then we like. There's also this other um, to your point, in a lot of ways. Uh, there's also another. Uh, God can't remember her name i believe her name is annie jacobson she came out with a book she was also on the joe rogan podcast Mm -hmm. um and she actually did the footwork uh because because when you uh like request a freedom freedom of information act file or whatever you have to foia yeah you have to like know you can't just like walk in and or email or whatever and be like i want all the stuff on area 51 you have to know the specific document numbers and like terms and everything to yeah. request it. Um, she actually did the footwork on that stuff and released it in a book. And um, according to her, the crash at was Roswell Roswell. Sorry. Said that wrong. Um, uh, it, it was a, uh, it was a uh, Russian. It was a, it was a Russian. Um, uh, uh, aircraft that penetrated um the the united states airspace far enough into in to where it cr- and ended up crashing in nevada it was like a spy satellite or something and uh like they the government according to her her story the government at that point in time was like we're better off letting people think it's a ufo than letting the public know that Russians got this far undetected into our airspace. Um, the whole national security secu- thing again. National mm-hmm. security, exactly. Um, so, you know, but at the same time, I also 100% think that the United States has crafts that are top se- above top secret that are flying around. You know, they're testing things. Um that the public doesn't know about yet. So I, I, you know, now do you uh, think that that technology that they're using to get that, 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 you know, machine that's above top secret, as you say, um, do you think that is salvaged technology from something that might've crashed or found? Maybe they found something. I, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's totally like it's totally possible like it's uh, i i i really see again i want to believe like <laughs> right right it's 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 hard to like i i don't really have like a specific like a uh, uh, uh um belief on any of this stuff um i'm i'm fluid in it like i i go with the evidence kind of and uh it's it's that kind of thing where uh I, I kind of I've never seen one, you know what I mean? Um, but at the same time, like, do I think that it's possible the aliens 
have or, or something has crashed here. Uh, yeah, totally. But also, like, I don't know if you guys ever heard of it, but there was a show on the Sci-Fi Channel. Sci, yeah, Sci-Fi Channel. Um, in the early two thousands, called Factor Faked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There was an episode of that show where there was a guy in Lapeer, Michigan, actually, to bring it back to Michigan, a guy in Lapeer, Michigan, who developed a pulley system where he could, he had uh, um, uh, blocks, giant blocks, the same size as uh, you see in the Egyptian pyramids. And he developed a pulley system where he was able to move them with, with one hand. He could just push it and it would rotate on the pulley system. Um, so it's like if that guy in Lapeer, Michigan today could figure that out, like the Egyptians could like we don't really need a like at that point, we don't really need aliens to explain the pyramids being built anymore. A hundred percent. So yeah. so it's like, you know, that the ancient alien thing is a big thing, but a lot of the evidence they point to some of it still can't be explained. Definitely the crazy right angles in Machu Picchu of uh, uh, that, like in stone that like can't be cut with anything other than like a, a diamond or a laser. Um, that stuff still can't be explained. I give you that. But the, the, the construction of the pyramids themselves and all that stuff, I feel it can be, we don't need aliens to, uh, explain it. Maybe humans were just more advanced than we currently think. Um, and see, you say that, and it's funny because we recorded our our news, and uh, we were talking about uh, another story about UFOs in our news segment. And whenever somebody says that, and this is what bothers me, because of the whole ancient aliens idea, is that if you say you know, we don't give humans enough credit for their ingenuity back. We've been on this planet in our current form, according to scientists, 1.8 million years, same brain size, everything. Now, why just in the last few hundred years have we advanced as much as we have? I mean, and at light speed, the last 50 years, and oh, yeah. you mean to tell me that humans couldn't have gotten far on their own to build like the pyramids. Right. I mean, right. It, it, it's, it's almost insulting to, to the ancient peoples that would build these things. Now we don't know how they moved like these gigantic, you know, the, was it the ball back, you know, blocks that are ridiculous amounts, uh, you know, stone slabs that are ridiculous in weight. You know, we don't know. We can't move those things today with anything that we have technology wise. But that doesn't mean that they didn't come up with it. And it also doesn't mean they were flying around in airplanes and shooting lasers and fighting with nuclear weapons right. back then either. Right. Right. And people always jump to that because of the media and this ancient aliens, uh, uh, really bad hypothesis of. You look at this cartouche. Oh, if I flip it upside down, it looks like an airplane. Therefore, right. they must have had airplanes. No, that makes no sense. And that's not the scientific thought process that needs to take place there. Okay, if they did, then where is the, the remnants of that? All right. And it's just right. like Atlantis, too. Right. You know, you look at Atlantis. Now, what's interesting is that 
the destruction of Atlantis almost ties in perfectly to the ending of the last ice age, which was about 12,000 years ago. Yes. And now, and, and when I was in college and I'm studying earth science and geology and geomorphology, how the planet changes, you know, catastrophic change was acknowledged, but it was always this uniformitarianism kind of thing, slow, gradual change. Well, now we're getting pretty close to changing that whole history that there was some type of a asteroid or comet impact or multiple comet impacts in our Northern ice sheet, like around Michigan, around Saginaw and Greenland that melted the ice sheets Yes. Instantly. And they have it on scientific record. They call it meltwater pulse a and meltwater pulse B where before the ice sheets melted, the sea levels were down 400 feet. So you had the land bridge from Siberia to Alaska, but you also had the continents were very, very, Uh, exposed the continental shelves were exposed and where do people always like to build cities and set things you know to live where does most of your food come from along the water along the water now imagine that this catastrophic impact happens now we accept it with the dinosaur because we found that the chitsunaw uh crater in mexico and there's they're looking for these impact sites for the the ice sheet but we, ex- we, we say, yep, the dinosaurs went extinct because uh, an asteroid hit that was huge and wiped everything out. But the, the mammals or the, the mastodons, the, the mammoths, well, that was humans. They, they either got sick or humans hunted them to extinction. Now, humans back then supposedly only had spears, addle addles, and uh, bow and arrow. And you yep. think that those were going to take down a 10 ton mastodon. Yeah. And those people yeah. back in that ancient time, they didn't hunt for sport. They hunted to survive and they respected the food that they ate. Exactly. Right. So I, you know, maybe after this cataclysm hit and, oh, geez, what, how many mythologies and religious texts are out there to talk about a flood? that happened right it's everywhere so you know and then you talk about atlantis right and and when you look at all that water that flooded into the the oceans and and what that must have been like and across the united states there's all kinds of scars out west that that are evidence of mega floods i mean ridiculous amounts of water that were released at a short period of time so you got all these people supposedly living along the the continental shelf what we call the continental shelf today which would now be 400 feet underwater yeah and nobody's looking for any ancient cities or anything like that in those locations they're looking for sunken treasure ships and things like that or oil or you know, drilling rigs and things like that, but nobody's looking for any evidence of people living in large communities back, you know, back then it's just kind of hand waved off. And it's really good to see that there's now this kind of this catastrophic mindset coming back into play about how the ice sheets quickly melted 
The flood mythology came in from all of these places. Large amounts of humans were wiped out along with the technology and the knowledge that they had on how to build, you know, Machu Picchu. You know, these people were mining solid blocks from a mountain three miles away, going down 10,000 feet down a mountain and back up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then building all their food and everything, they would, they built terraces to grow food up in the mountains. Now you want to live in the high areas to probably stay away from floods would be my, my thing, right? Hey, you know, ask anybody that survived Katrina, if they're still living below sea level in new Orleans. Yeah. (laughs) My guess would probably be if you survived it, you probably don't want to live in new Orleans anymore. But, you know, so I guess to my point is you bring up the 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 guy that built the pulley system. Yeah. And, and, and people instantly jump to, well, you know, maybe maybe there was aliens or whatever these things are that are that we're seeing and, and we don't know what they are now. Maybe they were around back then and they probably interacted with humans as much as they do now, which is scare the crap out of us or whatever it is that they do. But that doesn't mean that humans didn't advance still. Right. Right. I mean, oh, yeah, we were hunter gatherers. And then they found like Gobekli Tepe, which which goes back to like 12,000 before the end of the last ice age. And it's all buried. And it's three dimensional carvings in stones that are like insane. Hunter gatherers did this. I thought you said they were running around in loincloths and killing animals and trying to grow stuff. And then, you know, a shoulder shrug. Well, maybe we were wrong, but you got to give us more evidence. Well, yeah, yeah, that stuff is insane. It's actually, it's really insane. So I have have something to add to this. Yeah, go for it. I I was, I'm going to step away real quick, but I have something to add to it when I come back. All right. Cool. But no, no, yeah. My, my sister has actually visited um, uh, Machu Picchu. Oh, nice, and, nice. And, and she, she is, she was like, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like it's, and and the other part, go black, go blackly techie. I think is how you say it. And my go back, go back a teple. Do go back a teple. There we go. Yeah. Um, tepe, tepe. It means pot belly pig or pot belly, right? Because right, they're yeah. hills. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure both both of those locations have not even been fully like uh uncovered right yeah that's correct yeah Yeah. so we don't even know some like they they're still working on it like it's it's there's still more to go there uh more to discover um that like you know and who knows what they'll find like it's 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 really insane uh uh all that yeah like and, and that that is and i think i saw you guys some post something about um did you post something about graham hancock do you know who graham hancock is yeah yeah okay yeah yep. no he i yeah i i yeah Finger, fingerprints of the gods and yeah. uh yep. well um what's the latest the fingerprints of the god was the or fingerprints of the gods is his first book into this yeah and his second one is Something. magicians magicians Magi- of the gods yep there we go yeah. yep yeah um no i look yeah don't get me wrong like he he has definitely um 
he he was he, he did release a book that was kind of all in on the 2012 end of the world thing um but outside of that like outside of that like i i do think you know a lot of his i, I a lot of his stuff is um accurate and i see like well, he asked the right questions, right? Right. And yes. that the questions themselves are very threatening to those that are are established. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. exactly what I was going to say is that yeah. like that there is this like like science. Science is fluid. Like the 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 idea of science is like um, um any any uh, any 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 provable theory that we have right now could one day be proven to be wrong because Correct. there's a new element of proof. So and that's, it's, it's constantly to your point, evolving. Yeah. To, and to your point about Graham Hancock is that, you know, just because Graham Hancock was wrong on one thing doesn't mean everything that he's ever produced is going to be wrong. 100%. I mean, we've all been wrong about things before that doesn't null and void everything we come up with now and into the future. Right. So you, that mindset again, that, Hey, let's go back to the beginning of this conversation and talk about the gatekeepers, right? Yes. I mean, there's gatekeepers everywhere and, and they want to protect what's theirs, it, it, even yes. in geology and science and all of that. Yes. Um, and, and uh, I just, I don't know. It, 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 it frustrates me because as a, a scientist and an earth scientist and a, in a, you know, a trained in astronomy and earth science and weather and weather phenomenon and all the things I've done in my life and things I've seen, the way that people react to this and the, the way they treat other people, like my wife and I are college educated. I'm in my fifties. We have children. You know, we've done a lot in our lives. We work with kids. We're driving in our car, leaving a bingo hall in, in, in Wayne Westland because we did a late night bingo hanging out with all the other old people trying to win some stupid money. And we're driving west or yeah, west on Ford Road heading toward 275. And there is this gigantic three points of light. And it was a gigantic triangular craft. It wasn't a B-2 stealth bomber. I know what those are. I know what kind of aircraft fly around here. I yes. am a trained pilot. Now, thank God my wife was with me because if I saw it on my own, I would probably not have said nothing. I would have been like, oh, my God, that's weird. And, and that would have probably been it. Probably like a lot of people. Right. Because of the stigma that gets attached to this thing. I mean, you yes. heard our interview with Guy. Yes. Did you hear it? total just a mind blowing experience he had? And it was not yeah. good. No, right? no, these no, things. It wasn't, yeah. It, it, the, in the feeling I got from seeing this thing, it didn't communicate with me. It didn't do anything. Michelle's like, wow, if that's ours, where, where, where is this technology coming from? Or some kind of uh, uh, something like that, that she said, and I'm looking at this thing going, we're going to have to get really close to it to get on the expressway. And I'm just white knuckling it. And I'm going, I don't like what I'm seeing here. This is not, I, I instantly identified it as what it wasn't. And it wasn't an aircraft. 
right. it was too big, too slow. Hmm. And it, I was like, this is not good. Not good at all. I mean, I was in the military. We were trained observers to look for aircraft because I was in the infantry. We we're mm-hmm. like, you need to, you know, watch the sky. You need to watch this over here. Watch that over there. This is what this will look like. And, and you know, and basically what they told us is, well, as an infantryman, you have about a 37 second life expectancy and you can be dead before you even hear anything. You won't, you know, they'll drop a bomb from 20 miles away and they'll steer it right on top of you. The idea is not to be seen, right? Don't right. let them know you're there. But I, I, I'm telling you that it was not of, of our make. There's no way. There's, there's no way. And, and then it just disappeared. I mean, we got on the expressway. We were moving parallel with it. We went down this um, retaining wall, the like 275 kind of dips down. And then it comes back up on the other side of this retaining wall. I'm expecting to look out my right. And it would, Michelle would have been closest to it and look out and see it there. And it was gone. And the thing was 200, 250 feet, a triangle on each side. Now, what was that? That's insane. It's insane. I don't know how else you'd describe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Three points yeah, I- of light. And, and, you know, at the bottom, which were weird because they 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 glowed, but they didn't admit like a search beam like you would expect to see lights on the ground. That's not what was happening. And she I I believe, Michelle, you saw the kind of like what we would call the backside of the triangle. And there was like red lights on it. Yeah, there were red lights on it. Yeah. So almost like maybe some kind of a propulsion system or whatever. But there was no noise. There was there, you know, nothing. And the thing did not bank like an airplane to make a turn. It turned on its just, axis. It just turned and then went that way. I was, I've never seen anything in the air do that. Maybe a helicopter. Yeah. Right. But yeah, like it, these things are um, the, the, like the, there are, uh, and, and it, yeah, your, your experience, Fravor's experience a fighter pilot that actually chased one like the the stuff that came out just what in the last two weeks um from the from that was confirmed by the pentagon or whatever um the the new videos uh yeah the uh trying the triangular air or the triangular what they call unmanned vehicles and i don't know why they're saying that but the triangle craft that we're messing around with the u.s navy destroyers some of the most potent weapon systems on the yep. planet and they couldn't track them with radar nope yeah, yeah and yet they're exactly. sitting right there yep hi yep <laughs> for like 30 minutes i think they followed one of the wow. destroyers there's and- there i mean there's definitely something going on like there, like it, it there's definitely something going on the part the part like the only part that's hard for me personally that it's aliens is uh i mean okay so uh you're a science teacher so um light like uh so when we look into the sky we're seeing into the past because the light takes a certain amount of time to get here 
Yes. So, so, uh, so real quick, I can give you an example of this. And I tell my students this all the time. Yeah. The sun, the sun from the earth is 93 million miles. If the sun yep. went out when I snapped my fingers, we wouldn't know that for eight minutes. Right. Because exactly. it takes eight minutes for that light to travel to your eye from its source. That's how yes. far this distance is. And that's at the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. Exactly. All right. So, so to your point, so go ahead. <laughs> so for like there, for, like in the time that human beings have existed to be able to, you know, uh, uh, have any sort of technology, um, uh, radio broadcast or whatever, there's, it only goes out a certain, like there's a certain radius where it goes, it's going out. In that radius, as far as we know, right now, as far as I understand, at least, there is no um, uh, uh, planet that could have uh, uh, intelligent life. So it's like for intelligent life to have found us, they would like kind of have to have been just randomly going through space and just randomly come across our or. Our, our signals or or the ancient alien theory is accurate and they've been here since the beginning like i i, I kind of feel like those are kind of like the two options or they've they're they're they've always been here and we're cohabitating with them they just are in a whole different realm of existence and sometimes they kind of fade in or sometimes they can fade out or they okay. have a uh, an issue with technology maybe on their end or, or there's something that they're, they're able to do. That, that was another theory that, that I had heard. And, and cause yeah, I don't necessarily buy it's aliens from Proxima Centauri, you know, right. or something like right. that. Right. Um, but like you were saying where, you know, when we use a telescope or a radio telescope that receives radio waves or, and, and we're looking out into space, we're actually looking back into time. Yes. They could be doing the same thing if they're on another planet. When they look at Earth, they're looking back in time and maybe where they're at and looking at us, it's it, to us, it would be 1800 and so or, or they're seeing right? dinosaurs. Right. Or right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, you can come up with all kinds of, of hypotheses as to what's going on. But the, the bottom line is, is that there is something going on to the point where the government is saying these yeah. things are real. Yep. We don't know what they are. We think we have a good idea on how they work. They're not messing with physics. They just have a better understanding uh, of it. Well, the, well, they're, they're doing things. As far as I understand, according to Fravor, at least, um, they're doing things that physics, it, according to phys physics, shouldn't be possible. Right. And one of the things and, that Fravor talks about is the, the whole concept of inertia. So you guys all yes. experience inertia, right? So if you're in your car and you're driving 60 miles an hour and you go to make a left-hand turn, people in the vehicle lean to the right. Right. Your body inertia says to keep going in that straight line unless something acts upon you. Well, you got your seatbelt on, you become, you know, attached to the car, but you can feel your insides of your body sliding still. It gives you that, 
that butterfly feeling or, or a roller coaster or whatever, your stomach and gut still want to go up over the top of that roller coaster, but yet your body's dropping straight down. And there's that disconnect of, of your body, your insides kind of keeping up with your, your, your outside, you know, so that's, that's inertia, right? So yeah, he's saying that those, the Tic Tac is, is, you know, zipping all around. And yep. then, you know, point it up at him and then start it coming up toward him. And then he chased it and then it disappeared. Right. Right. But, but, but kind of, but what makes sense is what did we as humans just do? We just flew a helicopter on Mars. Right. right. So that's, exactly. So that's basically a probe, right? We ba- Exactly. We, we, so wouldn't it make sense if extraterrestrial intelligence wouldn't it make sense for them to send a probe as opposed to an actual being? You know what I mean? Well, and that makes me wonder, you know, as we create robots and AI and things like that, right. that look like us, but they look really creepy when you don't see them with their human faces on and things like that. Super it, creepy. It is very possible that, that the, the grays and the, the big eyed, you know, a, quote unquote aliens are those probes. Probe, right? Android probe, yeah. of some kind. Yes, yes, right. yes. Exactly. Seeing, seeing what we're doing and why do we have nuclear weapons and what are these right. things and why are we detecting these strange signals? And, and, and they have a technology, whoever they are, have a technology or an understanding of how the universe works better than what we do. I mean, who knows? All I know is that it, it's a mind blower that the government's finally coming out saying that yeah. this is real. It's yeah. mind blowing that I, my wife and I start a, a, a private Facebook group, just leaving it linger out there after we saw this thing, like, has anybody seen anything? Let's, let's get your stories, you know, join yeah. our Facebook group or whatever. And we're over 2000 people now it telling us their up. stories. It blew up. It blew up. And then I was like, maybe Amazing. we should start a podcast. It's like, and now this is blowing up. Like, yes. What, what is going on? And it's it just, amazing. It, it is it, 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 the power of the Internet and whatever, you know. Um, but, yeah, just strange experiences, man. And and I'm just glad now, like when I was talking to Guy, mm-hmm. that I want people to understand that they are not alone. They should, you know, if oh. they see these things, don't don't feel castigated, right? Demonized, right? right. You, you don't want to talk to anybody about it. Fine, maybe it wasn't a pleasant experience. Guy had a a, a horrific experience. That was they, not a positive experience. It was at all. not. And if I was to chalk up what our experience was in in my mind. To me, it wasn't a positive experience because, okay. I mean, it, nothing bad happened. Right. And no other weird stories or anything happened after we saw that. But the the feeling that I got was, uh, uh, well, first of all, my adrenaline was going nuts because fight or oh, flight was yeah. getting ready to, it was, it was oh, yeah. going off like crazy. I'm yep. thinking, I don't know what this thing is. I got to protect my wife. We're driving in a car and yes. we're stuck on a road. You know, and I only have so many options. Okay, so now I'm going back to my military training. I'm looking at my situational awareness, and then I'm thinking tactical awareness. What can I do with what I'm picking up in my situation? Right. So, 
you know, it, it was not, it was not good, but you know, and then again, it was, and then it just disappeared. It was just gone. And, you know, um, some people, you know, I don't know. One of, one of the groups of people that we were trying to think about getting were the aerial school children, a couple of them that have grown up, you know, the story about oh, they yeah. visit it in the, Oh yeah. 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 I know uh, that story. Yeah. Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. So we would like to get them on and see, because some of them had saw the same kind of a creature or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. And one, one said that it was talking to her and she got the idea of watch out for technology. Your technology is yep. going too fast. Be yep. careful. Like telling this little kid, this, Another yep. one talked about the environment, how you're destroying yep. the environment and be careful. And right. So she was getting a different kind of a uh, message message. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, it would be really interesting because they all told the same story. Like the next day when they interviewed them, the BBC, you know, interviewed yep. them and had the psychologist there. And yes. he's like, they're telling the truth. 100%. There's no lie. They're not, they're not lying. And it was yep. like all the kids. And then the teachers, that was a whole nother story. I guess they, they, they were visited and told, if you talk about this, you'll never teach again. We will make sure you don't, you know, ever work around kids or anything like that. So they never, they never said anything. I think one, one teacher came out later. Yeah, it was one of the male teachers, but he was kind of like turned to the side. His voice was altered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Still to this day. Yeah. Yeah. Like 30 some years later, he, you know, still didn't want to put out there. Well, they had said that he would have lost his job because they were going to accuse him of either like drinking on the job That's or something yeah. to, that, mm -hmm. to that extent so that he would lose his teaching license and not teach again. You know, and wow. basically be labeled the crazy guy of the town. Right. Right. Which they've done very successfully. They did it to <laughs> Ann Arbor in 1966. Yep. Told everybody that it was swamp gas. Yep. So oh, that's okay. I know I get a raised eyebrow whenever I say things, even around uh to to my friends and coworkers. Sure. Yeah, but hey, we saw what we saw. And, yes, you know, yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah. And now the government is basically vindicating yep. all these people. That, yep. You know, well, that's that's what I was going to kind of get into was that, uh, you know, it's it's I felt like it was really only a matter of time before it kind of got to this point because of, you know, all the presidents that have come through and been like, oh, well, if if they're I think it was who was it? Somebody I, I don't remember which which one it was, but he was like. Basically, when I get in office, I'm gonna make it, you know, just th so that they have to give me all the, you know, all I think the it was Clinton. Yeah, it was, was Clinton. It? Yeah. Bill Clinton. Yeah. 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 Well, I said something on that recently. And I thought that was really fascinating as far as just, you know, that that idea of like, well, this is, you know, now we're we're just starting to see these these things come up and and you know the, this like proof of you know that this has been happening the whole time. So. You know, like I said, I really, I really only thought that it was a matter of time before it is, but I, and there's also just stuff that you can't really, I, I mean, how, how else could you explain it? You know, I just want to know how it's happening. Like, how did they even like, were they here from the beginning or were we found? You know what I mean? Like, 
Yeah, I kind of take Fravor's mindset. I want to know what these these craft are. I want to yes. know how they work. Yes. I want to yes. play with them. I want I want to <laughs> yeah. play with that technology. I want to go for a ride. I right. See what it's like inside there. Uh, right. That that's where my curiosity goes. It's like I just I, as a science teacher, I have a, a horrible uh, mindset for curiosity. Like I, like I don't know who says it, but weaponize what, your curiosity. That's what science is. Right. It, like, yeah. That's what, yeah. I want to know. I want to play with it. I want to break it. I want to fix it. I want yeah. to. I want to see what I can do with it. Oh, my God, guys. He sounds like a teenager teenager getting his driver's license and a set of keys for the first time. Yeah. And that was and, scary when that happened. And in uh, a M16 firecracker. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how many frogs we can blow up. Yeah. <laughs> or cinder blocks. Right. Oh, I was I was the kid that was buying bottle rockets and, and stuff. And I would build a model world war two airplane and I would strap those bottle rockets on that plane and try to light them off at the same time and send them off a sled and measure how far it went. Right awesome. now there there's, there's, you know, shooting them off and blowing them up and things. But I was the one that was like, let's count how many feet it went and see if we can do it again and make it go further. You know, the, uh-huh. the, that was that was me. So, yes, it was it was a a funny childhood at times. Can't do that anymore. Kids are eating Tide Pods. Yeah, right now. Yeah, just go back to blowing up center blocks. Yeah, like, come on. Really? There's such a difference now. It's like nobody would play with lawn darts because people would get stabbed in the head. Right. So because they're they're too stupid to want to move out of the way. Uh, <laughs> but, but hey, everybody needs a good stabbing in the head. Once in a while. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, one thing, uh, Aaron, to your point, you were talking about Clinton and the presidents that were asking questions. Uh, Senator Reed, Harry Reed was I guess he was the big guy behind the whole ATIP program uh, years ago and, and wanted to get you know money allocated to investigate what these things were. And every time he would go and ask the intelligence people or Boeing, I think it was Boeing was a big one and Lockheed Martin, these, these military tech yep. companies, what do we got? What do you, and they would tell them, no, you don't have, you as a Senator do not have security clearance. And they told Clinton the same thing. And I think they even told Trump the same thing because yep. Trump was asking and yep. they were like, nope. And I heard one person say something I thought was was critical as to why they don't tell senators. You would think, oh, man, you better you better tell the president for, you know, you better this this person said. And I wish I could recall who it was, but, you know, I'm just I'm taking in so much anymore. It's like I don't remember. But they said, why would you want to tell a temporary employee your highest secrets? Right. Yeah. And I was like, temporary employee. Oh, crap. They're elected. Mm-hmm. Yep. They might not be there next time. Yep. Yeah. And you're you're disclosing. Oh, I get it now. Right. Yeah. And yeah. That that was one. That was a light bulb moment. So I was like, oh, these politicians aren't going to be able to tell us anything. This is going to have to come from those people. Right. That, that are actually in control. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So cool. All right. Well. 
Um, God, we've been talking a long time. We have. This wow. has been amazing. This, this is awesome. crazy. It's just been. We it, didn't even we, get into Dogman. Let's okay. take a break for a minute. Come back and let's get back on that. The whole Dogman conversation because we went on some crazy tangents, which is cool because that's ama- kind of what a podcast is. It's the art of the podcast. hundred percent. Join me, George Norrie, for the Worldwide Contact in the Desert Virtual UFO Conference, June 25th to June 28th. Contact in the Desert is an epic weekend of adventure jam-packed with exciting explorations into UFOs, ancient civilizations, AI, crop circles, forbidden archaeology, disclosure, and the newest evidence of ongoing contact, sightings, and leading-edge science. This amazing weekend delivers more than 130 presentations and special events showcasing 67 speakers from all over the world, with two extra weeks to view your favorite leading experts, including Avi Loeb with Clyde Lewis, Linda Moulton Howe, Paul Hellyer, John Lear, Russell Targ, David Childress, Doc Wallach, and more. With breaking articles in the New York Times and acknowledged naval sightings, and more importantly, the new release of classified documents on the day of the soft opening of Contact in the Desert, we are your source for inside information. Join us June 25th at contactinthedesert.com to get your tickets today. Make contact, contactinthedesert.com. All right, we're back. All right, so let's get back at it. So we've gone off on this crazy tangent. We're talking about UFOs and things. Dogman. Now, where are you guys at right now? I think our audience would find this interesting. Right now, Aaron and I are in Mackinac City, Michigan. We are up here uh, celebrating his birthday. Uh, his 27th, correct? Oh. 27th Happy birthday. birthday. Hey, thank you. Funny because <laughs> the seventh year is always the year of the dog man. Um, okay. But uh, Very true. <laughs> the uh, yeah, we are up here in Mackinac. We but but uh, yesterday we got here um, last night. Um, yesterday we went to the Leelanau Peninsula. I want to give them a shout out. We 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 went to the Leelanau Peninsula to the Northern Latitudes Distillery. That's what it's called. Check them out on Facebook and Instagram and all social media. They also. Sh- oh, no, I don't know if they ship or not. I was thinking of another one. Um, But yeah, uh, Northern Latitudes Distillery, which has the Michigan Dogman <laughs> moonshine. And people, you okay. can't see it right now, but it's a pretty wicked yeah. picture on a nice bottle. <laughs> Gorgeous. Absolutely. Gorgeous. Yeah. I forgot. This isn't on video. Um, this, yeah, absolutely. Michigan Dogman moonshine. And, uh, that's like, we kind of went up there for that. Uh, the, the Manistee national forest, which is on the West side of the state, um, is, uh, kind of like the, uh, bit, one of the biggest hotspots for um, dogman sightings, especially Reed City, um, outside of you know uh, Bray Road in Wisconsin and stuff, they've got their thing. But uh, uh, it, yeah, in, in Michigan, uh, the Manistee National Forest, Reed City, and the Northern Latitudes Distillery is where you might find dogman. <laughs> now, no, you had about put three of them. <laughs> <laughs> you had put some. Uh some pictures up on Facebook and I kept seeing Bigfoot. Yeah. Up here so- in, uh, <laughs> in Mackinac, uh, up here in Mackinac, there's a whole bunch of, uh, uh, Bigfoot statues all over town in different stores and stuff. And, uh, yeah, every time I saw like literally earlier today, uh, 
we were driving uh we were driving to um the actually one cool thing actually is uh there's two spots in michigan uh two of seven on earth international dark parks and what those are are the places uh scientifically located on earth with the least amount of light pollution so you can see the stars better here than anywhere else. There are only seven on Earth. Two of them are in Michigan. Um, and one of them is right up here uh, next to Mackinac. And uh, so we, we, we went walking around there earlier. And uh, uh, But on the way there, like literally, we were driving there. And there was just like a, a vacant, like a empty, like a store with nothing in it that went out of business or whatever but they still had a sasquatch uh a statue outside and like we were driving and i just saw that and i immediately pulled over and hopped out of the car i was like we gotta get a picture with this <laughs> so yeah there's tons like the 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 uh, uh upper part of michigan um yeah we we love sasquatch apparently did but did, did you really see sasquatch if he wasn't blurry though <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, well, that's part of the criteria for actually seeing Bigfoot. That is kind of <laughs> you know, I find it strange that they have the Sasquatch statues up there, though, and in not statues of Dogman. I mean, nothing, there's uh, nothing that, uh, at the honestly, I've wanted like we went to the Northern Latitudes Distillery yesterday. I've wanted to go there for like three years because I knew I've been following them on Facebook. I knew about the Michigan Dogman Moonshine. I knew that they, they had a little like uh uh you know uh spot set up for it. Like they have a little uh like werewolf mask on the t-shirt. Right. They got t-shirts and stuff. Um I I've wanted to go there for three years and and they are the only place that uh has advertised Dogman in any way that I know of. Like hmm. nobody, nobody else. Uh, Dogman's like the only one that the only one of the biggest cryptids that gets the least amount of attention, in my opinion. Yeah, it seems like it. it you were bringing up the 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 Bray Road beast or the beast yep. of Bray Road over there in Wisconsin and things. Um, when I was doing some research, there was an into Dogman. There, there was a a creature or something like that, that the, uh, the Odawa tribe up yes. there, um, yep. Kind of, uh, has a, a legend about that. And, you know, my wife and I go up there to Petoskey okay. and, and we go to the Odawa casino up there. Nice. And yeah, it's really, it's really nice up there. And, uh, we really like it and the people are nice and it's just a small little place and, you know, kind of out of the way. Um, but yeah, it, so what is your your experience or background? I know you you were interested in our our episode on that, and yes. you know it it was new. It was something new to me. I mean, I learned I've learned so much just doing this podcast. The nineteen sixty six UFO Ann Arbor mm-hmm. flap thing. Never heard of it. I'm fifty years oh. old. I never heard anything about that ever. Nobody spoke of it at all and then there's the dog man i'm like what is what is this and that kind of led down a rabbit hole 
Yeah. And, and which takes you up north, like you were saying up there. So what do you what do you have? <laughs> uh, um uh well I mean I know that the uh reports of a dog man in Michigan go back to the 1800s. Uh I believe like 18 I can't remember 1890s 1860s something like that. Um where like lumberjacks uh in uh uh like eastern Michigan right kind of kind of by where like Bay City is I think um saw something they reported something to that that they thought was a dog man um 87 87 okay and 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 reports with the native americans go back even farther right uh but things kind of get blurry there because uh, uh native americans uh they got the skinwalker thing and i don't think that's what dog man is um maybe i'm wrong i don't know but uh yeah, like that, that. So, so, so reports go back for actually like quite a long time. Um, and it's it's surprising to pe- to me that not as many people have heard of it. Uh, but uh, for me personally, uh, well, my first potential experience happened uh long before I knew what it was. Um. My family used to have a cabin um, in Prescott, Michigan, right by Elbow Lake in, in like Skidway, like right in between um, West Branch and Towers. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Right in between there. Um, we had a cabin up there, a family cabin. And I, I had this experience. Like, look, I... I, I I could be remembering this wrong. Like I was very young. I understand how memory works and it's like not totally accurate and everything. But I vividly do remember this happening. Um, I w- like there, we always use the back door like in the breezeway as opposed to the front door because the front door just led right into the, like, the living room and nobody ever really used the front door. We always like pulled around back. And there was this like, um, uh, the 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 cabin was kind of on like a U turn. So like, like we go out the front door, and you're on one side of the road. You go on the back door, and you're on the other side of the road. U turn, you know, where the like the the crest of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but out back there was also like this, uh, a path cut. Like there were no trees. Like there, you, it was like a driveway. Okay. Um, through through the woods, in a way, and um, I, I just remember walking out one time. I I I I mean, I was old enough to walk, but young enough to be picked up easily, because I walked out that back door, and 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 I was uh, old enough to open a door, obviously. So I was like three, four, five, six years old, somewhere in there, um. I walk out the door and I look down the path and I see a deer like leap into the path and then keep going. Okay. And then I see this fucking black wolf thing like leap right where the deer just was. 
but then it like looks at me it kind of curls its hands up and it not all the way but halfway like kind of like stands on two legs like both the front legs were off the ground it kind of like just curls them back and he looks at me and then he looks back at the deer and just keeps chasing it like just hops away and as a small child i remember literally screaming and then i remember my grandfather running around the side of the cabin picking me up again i was young enough to be picked up like that um and just taking me around to the front of the cabin where everybody else was uh like like i again i don't i was a small child i don't know if this is was an accurate memory but like i remember this vividly for some reason and uh that was i mean uh i i at that point in time obviously i'd never heard of anything called right. the dogman i'd never right. i i don't know anything about dogman at that point in time um it wasn't till years and years and years later that i discovered the uh mythology of the dogman um so yeah like that's kind of my story and like my introduction i guess with it um outside of that it was uh it was uh 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 the woman um uh linda crap what what is her name i can't remember her name right now the author of weird michigan um book uh i'm not i'm not familiar with it oh oh you should check it out dude okay all right you should totally check it out she is the author of that oh, book, yeah. I believe, is the same author uh, who was the reporter that broke the story on the Beast of Bray Road that kind of oh. originated the Dogman before Steve Cook did the song up here in uh, Traverse City. Right. Um, uh, she She's kind of the one that broke the story um, on the Beast of Bray Road. And then people came forward in Michigan after Steve did his thing. And... Uh, uh, but she got she has a series of books, weird whatever state, but the weird oh, Michigan one, okay, has a a a big um a, a big portion of it uh about Dogman, and that's kind of like where I kind of first learned about it because I got that book when I was pretty young, and uh I I I read that and I was like, oh my god, that that like it triggered that memory in me. That's and, what I was just gonna ask you. Yeah, and it 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 uh it led me down that rabbit hole. Um, and and yeah, since then I've been all in on that one. Like that's uh, yeah, like uh, I've been looking for it ever since. Right. At the least. All right, Aaron. Did you have something you wanted to add there on that? Um. Well, to be to be real, I like. Until we started hanging out, I didn't really know that this was a thing that existed. So yeah. I guess I don't really. You know. I introduced him <laughs> right to Dogman for sure. Like yeah. this is the the fact that something like this, you know, I mean, other than I mean, you hear all the time about like the the Bigfoot story and the you know everybody's got a Sasquatch story and you know like there's it's a whole apparently there's a whole community up here <laughs> of people that like are really seriously you know invested in it and stuff and I you know. I don't have any reason to believe that it doesn't exist, but they're also it's it's kind of, you know, it's 
pretty far out there. <laughs> yeah, as the, it is, the you know. the cryptid side of things is a is a strange is a strange way to go because you know now they're talking about like how bobcats, I mean, just natural, you know, yeah. are coming across the UP, and some are starting to come down into the somehow get into the the upper part of the lower peninsula, right? Right. I mean, um, but the cougars the whole, too. Yeah. Right. Right. Cougars are another thing. So, um, yeah, the dog man thing was, was something new to me and I, all I, my mind is just going to kind of like where I'm at now with, with our podcast, my mind just goes, Oh, that Steve cook opened up a bag of worms. He probably wasn't prepared for because people started calling in. Oh yeah. And talking like, dude, <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about you think this is funny but and then they would start telling their stories and uh so did you uh burton did you kind of suppress the memory from three or four or five and then you found this weird michigan book and it came back to you or did you always carry it around in your head and then when you saw the book it was like this is what's making sense of this memory I have as a young child. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I ever really like suppressed it. Okay. Um, it did, it did terrify me because I remember screaming and I remember my grandfather, like literally running around and picking me up and taking me to the front of the cabin. And like, nobody, it was never talked like, you know, nobody was like, why were you screaming or whatever? Well, that was Um, next question. Did your family ever have any, any stories they related to you about seeing the same thing up there at any point? No, no, not, huh. not, not at all. Um, uh, it, and it, it didn't really like, uh, it, 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 what it didn't, it didn't trigger in my mind until much later when I, uh, learned about the legend of the dog man. Um, okay it didn't trigger in my mind to where I was like, holy shit. I saw that thing once. Like I, I did see a thing once that did something abnormal. Right. Um, uh, but outside of that, uh, yeah, no, no, no. Nobody ever, uh, like went into it. Cause, uh, yeah, that was kind of it. Okay. But once I learned about it, I, I, I became very invested and, uh, and and not only in that, but also, um, you know, I I, uh, I do a lot of like ghost hunting and things like that too. Like I'm I'm I am. It's again going back to I want to believe, um, but I, I I I'm I'm also I do want to believe, but I also am actively out there like researching and 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 trying to find evidence and 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 have actual experiences myself. Um, now are you guys part of like a ghost hunting group? Like, no, dude, no. Okay. No, not really. Uh, we, we, we have, um, uh, there is a great website called, um, crap. I can't remember what it's called. It's like, a haunted us USA or something like that. Um, where, uh, like a lot of the locations that you'll see on like, you know, ghost hunters or ghost adventures or any of the TV shows or whatever, like um, Waverly Hills and yes, Bobby that. Mackey's, yeah. uh, the Ohio State Reformery, um, tra- the Traverse City, 
uh, insane asylum. Uh, a, a lot of these places are available to where like you can like pay a certain amount of money, like usually like in between one and two hundred dollars to stay there basically from like 8 p.m. or seven or six or whatever to like four a.m. or all night. Yeah, um, I think um, somebody had just sent me a a thing just like that for Eloise. Yes, yes, right? yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. That is a bucket list one for me. Yeah, that I have yeah. not. That is pretty much the only one in Michigan that I haven't been to yet. Okay. Um, besides that, uh, that one and the Traverse City one are like the only two big ones in Michigan that I haven't been to yet. Uh, but uh, Traverse City doesn't really offer these kind of tours. Eloise does. Um, so I'm, I'm planning on doing that this summer. But yeah, it's something I actively look for. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I'm actively like trying to find the thing I want to believe in. You know what I'm saying? Sure. You're, you're trying to prove it. You're trying to find that right. evidence. Yeah. Right. And as, as certain people would say, and, and if guy you're listening, I'm, I'm looking at you. Be careful what you wish for and be careful oh, yeah. what you open yourself up to. So, you know, you never know what might open up and, 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 you know, you fall down that rabbit hole of, of all this crazy stuff, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, One, I mean, 100%, but at yeah. the same time, but at the same time, it's wild because yes, <laughs> I, was, I was, uh, cause you I, want I, to know. Well, I, I, I did. Um, I, I investigated the Randolph Asylum in Illinois. Oh, we went down to Illinois. We did the Randolph Asylum and we were in the attic uh, where there is like it is. There is nothing. There's no there's no lights. There's nothing. Pitch black, like absolutely pitch black. And we we're up there during a thunderstorm. <laughs> like the thunder, I could see and hear the thunder coming in through the cracks of the wood and everything. We were in the attic and like I sat like me and my buddy went up there and we sat completely on opposite ends, completely alone. And it, it, like we we sat in a potentially haunted asylum during a thunderstorm in the attic, in the pitch black, completely alone. And both of us like just felt completely comfortable. Like we, we not, neither of us ever experienced anything weird. We didn't see anything. We didn't hear anything weird. Like it was all good. Hmm. Like it, it was just nothing. So it's like, like you can be in these kind of extreme situations and not necessarily experience anything, but that doesn't mean like, nothing's ever going to happen because I have had plenty of things happen, but I, I, I just, I I like to put that out there to take it into account for, for other like potential ghost hunters or whatever, because like you might not necessarily experience something in an extreme situation, but you also might experience something in a normal situation. That's right. yeah, that that's why science always washes their hands of the paranormal, because what you're describing there, what you and your friend did would have been considered an experiment. Exactly. Right. But when science gets involved, they want it to be able the, the whole idea is to make it predictable 
so they can measure something. Right. right? So that's the paranormal what I'm to do too. Yeah. Right. And the paranormal doesn't follow those rules. 100%. You can't make a ghost appear. You can't make a demon. Well, I, I depending on who you talk to, maybe you can conjure up a demon or whatever. I mean, that's a whole nother bag of worms that you can get into. But, um, you know, it, it's uh, science then goes, if, if I can't measure it, if I can't predict it, then it's not science. And people take that to go science doesn't believe in the paranormal. That is not true at all. That right. has nothing to do with science. Science just, it's like science and religion. Science puts their hands up and walks away and says, here's, here's how we define science. It's gotta be specific. It's gotta be measurable. It's gotta be something we can predict, you, you know, and we gotta be able to repeat it. Right. Right. So that one night you did that experiment of sitting up there during a thunderstorm didn't didn't provide any results. Maybe the next night would have. Exactly. Right. And and so, you know, it's just because, yeah, you don't find or have something happen once and capture it on film or whatever the case may be doesn't mean still. See, science would say, well, then it doesn't exist until you can provide the evidence that say this is why this happened. Right. Right. But it doesn't mean stop looking either. A hundred percent. Right. And so, in my opinion, it means just change looking. your experiment. Just change your experiment right. a little bit. Yeah. You know, maybe just, you need it to be downstairs. Right. It just means right? keep looking like yeah. it, like that's that's. That's what I feel like there's a there's a big misconception about science is that it's like uh, end all be all or whatever. No, like like it's fluid. It's ever changing. It's like like yeah. we're constantly but like the scientific method by definition is something that's ever changing and, yep. and, and new evidence being factored in makes it evolve. Like, right. so it's constantly, you know, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and there, there's also something to be said, I feel like about, because the, you know, the first thing about like the dog man experience, like you weren't, you weren't looking for that. You didn't go no, searching for I it. Was it a just child. Happened. Whereas, whereas the other thing in the asylum was like, you tried to, you know, go through all of the, you know, so kind of, yeah, to your point, like it's, and there's some people out there that provoke, they try to provoke these things too. Yeah. Right. That will 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 try to, uh, you know, they'll they'll sit around and say things or a Ouija board or, you know, some something to try to provoke something to happen. You know, um, so I, I've had some crazy ghost experiences that I'll have to tell you guys later. It's just it 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 shattered my my view i mean here i was a a a student in the sciences and not only now did i you know well this was before the triangle i'd never seen a ufo or anything before but uh you know i had some things that just blew my mind that that never happened again right i mean it was just strange and i think a lot of it revolved around my middle daughter when she was born and so uh when she was born at the hospital she was born at at the same time a woman had passed away in the room underneath her underneath the maternity ward where she was born okay 
And, and just one of the things was that would go on is my ex-wife and I, we would, we had the baby monitors to pay attention. And when my, my middle child would wake up, you know, it's just a baby and she'd be giggling and you would hear this old lady's voice talking to her. Hi. That's insane. And, the, and, and, and she would be giggling and like, there's some, okay. Maybe somebody's on the same frequency or, or whatever, but you know, there wasn't anybody with a baby monitors around us. You know, it was a, in Howell. It was pretty big opened area around our house. They don't have very big ranges, you know, and, and go running up there and there'd be nothing. And she'd be giggling, standing up on the side of her crib. Like she was playing with somebody. And, and to this day, you know, if you say something to her about it, she, you know, she doesn't remember, but when she was little, she would talk about the old lady playing with the old lady. Yep. I mean, that's really true. So, yeah. So, I mean, just, there are strange things like that. Now, could I set up a camera and record all this stuff? Was I even thinking like that? No. Mm. Right. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about that. And, you know, Aaron, to your point, it's like, these these things happen at the the weirdest most inappropriate or you know unplanned times Mm -hmm. like there was no way i was pulling out a cell phone to take a picture of you know this triangle thing craft which nobody else seemed to see while i'm trying to do 70 miles an hour and merge onto 275 and try to stay away from this thing right so that wasn't happening and you know michelle was like looking at it going when did our military get that? What, what, <laughs> right. You know, when, did, right. Like yeah. if that's ours, when did we get that? Or it was something to that effect. And, you know, she didn't think about taking a picture or anything on her phone. She was kind of, you know, looking at it as well, but I was merging onto an expressway and the few cars that were around acted like, just like guy said in his video, when he saw his triangle on, on 23 there yeah. by South of Flint, Yep. people who were driving, like they didn't even see it. Yeah no reactions. And so, you know, go figure. I mean, I guess that's why it's paranormal, right? (laughs) So, all right, guys. Well, man, we've been talking a long time. This is a a killer going to be a killer episode. It's been great, man. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to drop in there? Any, any albums coming out or any, new videos coming out or new guests you got guests coming on your show anytime soon um what's going on well you guys for sure yeah. <laughs> um oh yeah we're gonna but, be on your show but yeah. uh besides that um be sure to check out all things recorruptor all things lost in the dark all things bog wraith uh yeah. you can take it from there yeah um i guess as far as music stuff goes we're we're definitely in the process of, of writing and, and putting some stuff together for the next release. And it's, it's going to be different. Like I'm pretty excited to see kind of where all the, where all the different motivations coming from. And, and with the year that we've had in the past, like there's a lot to say right now. So, Oh yeah. Um, yeah. With COVID and everything else. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, there's that we're still working on stuff. Um, I don't, yeah, we're pretty, pretty open as far as, you know, like podcast guests and stuff where we got quite a few more uh album reviews coming mm-hmm. so there's a lot of that going on um reflections so yeah <laughs> yes the reflections and, you know i cringe a little bit when i hear that word because in teaching 
you know, you're supposed to do self-reflections. Yeah. How uh, could that lesson have gone better? And, you know, it's kind of one oh of those buzz, one of those buzzwords that they like to throw at teachers. I mean, we catch it from all angles, you know, so it's crazy. So we get the crap from the kids and then we get the crap from the administrators and then we get the crap from the people that think they can tell us how to teach better, but never taught a day in their life. So, you know, it's like we are and my wife is giggling right now, but you know, we're, we are literally the monkeys in the middle trying to, to balance everything, you know? So, yeah. And now we end up, you know, we end up putting in a, a podcast together and talking about the paranormal and, and what we saw and, and everything. And it's, uh, you know, just the next evolution of where we're going, I guess. So, <laughs> right. Especially with Terry Lovelace coming on on our next show. And That's going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. I can't oh, wait man. for that one. I'm almost done with his first book and it is terrifying. And again, another, another encounter with triangles that was not pleasant. Yeah. So I, I don't know if it's just those craft themselves or whatever they are, but they are, they, they just bring a lot of negativity and stuff with them. Are, you know, are you just, familiar with uh, David Politis? I can't say that I am. Look into uh, David Politis and the missing 411. Okay. Um, that yeah, is really a good. rabbit hole. You will, uh, it, it will open a giant can of worms for you. Um, oh, boy. That, yeah. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't need any more worms, oh, man. You're gonna give I'm going to have worms. to start going fishing with all these worms that yep. are, yes, that are around are. here. <laughs> yes, you are. But trust me, look into David Politis and the missing 411. And, uh, okay. That's all I'll all say right. about that. Trust me. That's a little. Uh, well, yeah. I've got a, another audible credit as of today. So maybe I'll grab that with it. Hell yeah. I take it. It's a yeah. book, right? Uh, he, he's got books, but I would also recommend listening to him on, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, coast to coast AM YouTube channel oh, okay. or, yeah. or, or Joe, I, I can't remember if he's ever been on Joe or not, but whatever, whatever, like interviews you can find with him, uh, on, on YouTube, I recommend, um, because he's, he's another one kind of like, uh, Graham Hancock where, uh, he's looking into something that kind of nobody else is looking into. And when he started looking into it, like things were kind of weird. Like it, oh, yeah, man. you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll, 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 you'll see it when you look into it. It's, it's, he's, he's one of those guys that knows how to ask the right questions. Yeah. And is the only one that sees yeah. what he needs to ask. Yeah. Like and that unsettles people. I, I, yeah. I, I guarantee once you look into it, you guys will have an episode about it. Like, cause it okay. is really, it is really fascinating and really like weird. Like it's awesome. Yeah. So you're, you're going to have a lot of fun with that one. Is I it, guarantee it. Is that the one that's got the, um, what is it? It's not, it's not on, or yeah, maybe it is Amazon. There's like a, there's yeah. some shows that are yep. about it. I don't know if it's yep. the same as the he actually about, he, he does actually have two mo- uh one or two movies about it on Amazon Prime. Okay. Uh, if you got the Amazon Prime that was, video thing. Yep. That was where I first heard about it. Yeah. And, missing okay. missing 411. Uh yeah. Okay. Look into Is that. that in reference to like people, like a number of people that were missing or something? Um, I don't necessarily know where the 411 comes from. 
but okay. the his whole thing is about missing people um with very specific circumstances uh it, it's a profile he's he's built a profile and um it, it, it's it's just these missing people that meet these specific circumstances that are very very strange and don't make any sense um so yeah i i i think you'll really enjoy that you'll really like that a lot cool all right well anything else you guys want to add before i turn off the recorder no stop recording all right cool i'm good all right aaron just uh you know thanks for having us on yeah this was awesome this was absolutely amazing you know absolutely uh, I was glad we could set this up and get you guys on here. And I mean, two of my favorite subjects, well, now anyways, metal and the paranormal. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you are the first <laughs> podcast to ever have us on as a guest and we, yeah. uh, we can no, never, really, yes. <laughs> yeah. And we can never, ever thank you enough for that. This was tremendous oh. fun and, and we had a blast. Yeah. Yeah, well, we were glad to have you guys come on for sure. Oh, definitely more fun to be had. Definitely. Because yes. when we come on your show, the the stories to be told. Oh, I cannot oh, wait. <laughs> That's a whole nother paranormal in uh, of itself. <laughs> I, I, I will email you within the next 48 hours of, of some dates that we might be able to line that up. So. All right. Well, thanks guys for coming on. We really appreciate it. Great conversation kind of went all over the place, but Hey, it's a podcast. That's the what do you the expect? Podcast. <laughs> right. All right. Well, thanks guys. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you, you later. so much for having us on, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right. Take it easy guys. Well, that was a great conversation with uh, Burton and Aaron tonight. Yeah, that was really cool. Can't wait till we get a chance to talk to them the next time on yeah. their show. Yeah, well, we will be on the Lost in the Dark podcast. Those details will be released uh, once we get something set up. So for sure, exchange some stories from back in the day of heavy metal in Detroit in the 90s. Well, I know some more serious stuff coming up is our conversation with Mr. Terry Lovelace coming up in just a couple of weeks. Yes, so we are going to be recording an interview with him soon, and that will be released on May 29th. That will be in conjunction with the Contact in the Desert 2021 virtual conference that will be happening in June. Very cool stuff. So if anyone has never heard about Devil's Den, you definitely want to stay tuned in for episode six. And our conversation with Mr. Lovelace. It is a terrifying read, to say the least. Be on the lookout for that coming up soon. Again, that will be released on May 29th of uh, this year. So very soon. All right, guys, we're going to close it up for tonight. Yep, I agree. It's been a long day, a long conversation which was very very cool and again thanks to the guys from the lost in the dark podcast aaron and burton you guys were cool to have on hope to do something with you guys soon all right everybody i think we're gonna wrap it up all right guys have a good night have a good night and remember keep your eyes to the sky
You have been listening to the Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters podcast. You can reach us at mi.ufo.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at mi underscore UFO and join our Facebook group by searching for Michigan UFO Sightings and Paranormal Encounters. So until next time.